welcome to this week's episode of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson. We've got three segments for you this week, and then a bonus segment following the end of the show. Uh, kicking things off, myself and Zach Miller get together to talk about our uh, Christmas haul and uh, all the great shit that we got for Christmas. Well, that he mostly got. I didn't get very much. Uh, after that, Pedro Hernandez, Josh Max, and Dan Koopman talk about uh, a couple of the recent Sonic games that just came out, including Sonic Generations and Mario and Sonic at the 2012 London Olympic Games, or whatever that game is actually called. Uh, after that, Mike Sklens is joined by Andrew Brown and Patrick Barnett, and uh, they talk a whole lot about Skyward Sword. Um, spoiler warning, they're going to go through pretty much the entire game and talk pretty in-depth about it. So if you haven't finished the game yet, um, or at least you're not very far along, I probably would skip this one until you are. Otherwise, you will definitely be spoiled. Uh, lastly, uh, for the bonus segment, myself, Nicholas Bray, and James Dawson, uh, I'll talk about the recent Doctor Who Christmas special, because we love Doctor Who. So, uh, enjoy! Welcome to this week's episode of the Zach and Scott Show, uh, where we talk about 3DS games we don't know anything about. I am Scott Thompson, joined as always by my co-host and sidekick, Zachary Miller. Hello, all. <laughs> How are you today, Zach? I am good. How about yourself? Oh, not too bad. I'm using my uh, new microphone, which we'll talk about here in a second. Ooh, good. Uh, so hopefully uh, everything's sounding smooth. Oh, yeah. Silk, silky smooth. Smooth like butter. So, um, yeah, this week it's just uh, myself and Zach. Uh, there really wasn't too much news, and we did get a little bit of listener mail, but I think we're probably going to save it for next week when uh, more people are here. So, uh, for now, I think we're just going to kick back and uh, talk about what we got for Christmas. Heck yeah, swag. <laughs> that Christmas swag. Um, so, I didn't really get too much. So, Zach, why, why don't you go ahead? It sounded like you had a pretty bountiful uh, Christmas. Yeah, I got the games that I really wanted. I got uh, Mario 3D Land, which I immediately beat. Oh, nice. Um, and now I'm going through the special world, and man, is that game amazing. Yeah, that's what I hear. That's still, like, the one big game from the past two months I haven't gotten yet. Yeah, I mm, I think it might be my game of the year. I really do. Yeah, I, I hear a lot of people going that way. I mean, JP, uh, if you follow him on Twitter, he did the write-up for uh, NWR's, like, top ten of the year. And on Twitter, I mean, he had to restrain himself, but he let himself go on Twitter talking about how it's, like, his favorite Mario game of all time. And, I like, saw that. One, of the, one of the greatest games ever and just all of this stuff. So, uh, hyperbably or not, that's uh, pretty high praise. Oh, yeah. What, what, what I like so much about it is that it's just so... I mean, they've said this on RFN, but I didn't realize what they meant until I played it. It is so tight. I mean, there's not an ounce of, you know, fluff in it. It's it's all 
superb platforming goodness. It's so good. Um, so the only thing that might top it as my game of the year is the other Christmas present I got, which is finally Zelda. Yay! Haven't even popped it in. I just got home last night, but and we didn't have a Wii down there. But, uh, hey, it comes with a music CD, and now that's on my iPod. Well, there you go. Yeah. And actually, uh, for listeners of the show, you'll hear a little music from that later. Uh, as we've got Ooh. a hour-long <laughs> Zelda segment um, kind of going all through the game. So, Zach, you won't want to hear that yet. No, I'll it's, probably it, hold it, off. It's very spoiler-heavy, but I was editing it today, and it, it's very good. It's very thorough. So. Awesome. Well, I can't yeah. wait to play it. I'll probably uh, pop it in tonight. Um, either that or the other game I got, the third game I got, which is uh, <laughs> talk about being late, um, late to the train, I got Castlevania Lords of Shadow. Um, oh wow! Is oh, that that's is that the 360 PS3 one? Yeah, the God of War yeah. Castlevania game, and it, I've always been curious about it, and I've heard good things. Uh, like as long as you don't take it as a Castlevania game, it's really good, and it is. It's it is exactly like God of War. Yeah, but medieval with you know yeah. vampires and shit, and it's it's good. It looks good. Um, the only downside so far, I'm only on the second world uh, level. Um, the only downside so far is that Patrick Stewart, who is the narrator, is just phoning it in. <laughs> really? He just doesn't care. You can tell he's in the studio with a script in front of him just reading it. That's amazing. It so is. It's just Patrick Stewart being Patrick Stewart. Yes. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, and the script is, like, the stuff they have him read is pretty bad. That's uh, awesome. That, that reminds me of the, um, I don't know if you played the most recent Ghostbusters game. You know, um, I played it for a little bit, but not much. But that reminds me of Bill Murray. I, I feel like he, same thing, like just kind of rolled into the uh, the studio, just read his lines once, and then that was it. Nice. Unfortunately. I don't think he cares about the franchise anymore. I think yeah. he's kind of done with it from everything I've read. It kind of seems that way. I mean, they say there's going to be a new one coming, what, like in another year or two or something like that? Oh, they've um, been saying that for five years. Yeah, although apparently it's, I, I guess it's actually going to be happening, but who oh. knows? But, um... I think he's. Supposed to, I think all of them are supposed to be in it. They're just supposed to be kind of old, and I think they're like training the next crew. Or the next crew. Yeah. Any idea who the next crew will be? I I feel like I heard the movies being made by the people behind Pineapple Express. Maybe that I'm making that up. Could be good. But I I feel like that's um that's what I heard. Huh. So could be could be interesting. Intriguing. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll look for that. Maybe it'll be like Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson, you know. All those guys who made, uh, uh, SNL guys in all the movies now. Hmm. Uh, George Bush. Oh, uh, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. He'll be those guys. He'll be taking <laughs> that'd over. Be, that'd be pretty great. Yeah, I think so. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah Castlevania good. Lord's Shadow, and then, um, those are the only games I got. Oh, that's not true. I got a gift card to Best Buy, so I went out and got the Metal Gear HD collection. Oh, nice. Have you played that yet? Uh, no, but I've played all the games that are involved in it. Right. <laughs> so I know I'm going to like it. What, so what's in that? It's 2, 3, and the one of the PSP games? Yeah, Peace Walker. Peace Walker. Okay. They, they, I, hear, I hear that one's good. I did too, and I actually bought it um, on sale on PSP. It was like half off one time, and boy, it controls like shit. Like, the PSP was not designed for a Metal Gear game. How did they pull that off? Do the like face buttons turn the camera, or is it or is it fixed cameras? It's a it's you actually have to hold down a button and then move the face buttons to use the camera, uh, or 
the other optional control scheme, you can use the face buttons to aim, which is never good. Oh, God, yeah, that's real bad, actually. It's, and that is the better control scheme overall. So I only got to, like, the fifth mission, and I said, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Um, that's about when I heard about the HD collection, including it, and I just said, I'll just get that. Yeah, good idea. And so I can't wait to play through that game, because they swept uh, Portable Ops under the canonical rug and replaced it with Portable Ops, so I want to see what happens. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And that that makes me thankful that the uh, Circle Pad Pro is coming because <laughs> oh, that too. sounds like that would be kind of the the route that some of these games would be going. In fact, I think that is a control scheme on uh, Snake Eater for the 3DS. Yeah, so. I think I read that on Twitter. Uh, one of yeah. our Japanese correspondents was talking about the demo. Yeah, and how that was not good. No. <laughs> playing it that way. So God no. Um, yeah. So those are all the games I got, but I also got the. Um, it's a Resident Evil card game. I'm always in the market for kind of tabletop card games, and um, my favorite so far has been the Penny Arcade card game, but me and my friend Nelson play it all the, every time we see each other, and, and I think I've only won two games. <laughs> he He's not, I mean, we're both equally matched, but he, I'm convinced, just gets better draws than mm-hmm. me, so we're going to see if that trend holds up in this Resident Evil card game, which could be cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Is it the kind of thing where you get to make your own deck, or it's just one standard deck, and then you deal everything out? Yeah, I think each each, each expansion comes with two decks that players play with, and then and then you can add cards from expansion decks in. So, like yeah. today, I was at the comic shop getting my uh, new DC comics, and I saw one of the expansions, and I considered buying it right there, but I was like, maybe I should play this card game first. <laughs> yeah, see if play, I play, actually like it. Right, play the main <laughs> game first <laughs> yeah, before exactly. you're buying expansions. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the um, I got download cards for all three systems, which was nice, uh, but not the 3DS. It's the Wii uh, DSi. And then the last thing I got, uh, do you remember the very first uh, Ninja Turtle comic? Are you old enough to remember the very first one? Yeah, I think so. Don't they kill Shredder? Oh, yeah. They kill him good. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. It's all black and white, all, right? And pretty, uh, pretty violent. Hell, yeah. I got the first volume. They're collecting all of the old series in several volumes, and I got the first one. Oh, nice. And it has commentary or, or annotations from the creators, which is awesome. I'd be interested to hear them kind of talk about, yeah, their original vision for the series and then where it kind of went, you know, because of how mainstream it got and, and making the cartoon and the movies and everything. And I don't know, just hearing their overall op- opinion of it and if they like where it went or... I would too. I, I, I haven't heard... I, we have, The comics haven't gotten that far yet, but I would really like to know, um, like, when did it start getting out of control for them? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, good good Christmas overall. That's awesome. Yeah, you did a, you did a lot better than me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see, the trouble is I, I have a baby on the way. She'll be here, like, in right. three months. Um, so a lot of my Christmas gifts ended up just being, like, geared towards that. <laughs> like, I told my mom, like, instead of, like, really buying me much, like, to just buy us, like, baby furniture. Right. Um, so I got, like, a nice, like, rocking chair for when she's here to nice. help her fall asleep. and. We got, like, a changing table. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it really wasn't too exciting. Um, I did get this new mic, which I like a lot, and hoping it uh, sounds pretty good. It does. Uh, is, it a, is it a standing mic? It is, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I have my so, 
I'm using rock band mic that's stu- sitting in a salad shaker. <laughs> very, very professional. Works pretty well, yeah. Yeah. See, I was using my rock band mic for a long time, too, but it just, I hated the way it sounded. Oh, yours really? sounds fine. Like, like editing it, your, yours is fine. I don't know. Is yours a rock band 2 mic by any chance? Um, let me see what it says. Oh, it's actually Guitar Hero World Tour. Uh, okay, see, so it's more recent. Yeah, mine was an original rock band mic, and I think it was just a little shittier. So. Okay. Yeah, it was always like picking up weird noise in the background, and I didn't like it. So oh, hopefully yeah. this is a, a good workaround. This is certainly um, better than my PS2 headset, which is what I was using for about a year and a half on God. Newscast. Yeah, I would think so. Um, so yeah, so then I got this, and then um, I got some money. So I bought, actually before Christmas, I bought Mario Kart 7, which I'm kind of in love with. It's good. Yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, I'm enjoying playing it online. Um yeah, I wish that's, it was a little... that's the fun part. Yeah, exactly. I, I haven't even touched the single player. The only time I've played, like, the Grand Prix and stuff is um I got my fiancé a 3DS for Christmas. So Ooh. every now and then, like, we'll play through. I like that you can play through the Grand Prix together. Um, oh, really? So, yeah, and you can, like, unlock everything, too. So, like, we're slowly, like, unlocking the more courses and everything like that. So Nice. And then you earn coins, too, in that, which unlock, you know, new carts and things of that nature. So. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So I'm enjoying playing it that way. Um, we get pretty competitive, but it, it's it's pretty fun. <laughs> Helps you learn the courses too, I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah, because some of those I was jumping in, and I I I didn't play the Wii one ever. Um, so anytime something from that popped up, or yeah, any of these new ones, I just had no idea <laughs> what was going on. So that's worked pretty well. Oh yeah. Um, I wish the multiplayer like I wish it was a little easier to join games with your friends. Like, I see you playing it a lot on my friends list, yeah. and it says, like, okay to join. Like, I could join your game, but I can't, like, I was hoping I could just, like, click it <laughs> right from my friends right. list, and it would just boot the game, but it doesn't. I have to, like, open the game and then hope I can still join your game. And I have that same problem. It, it takes, you know, I saw, usually when I try and hook up with somebody online, they'll say, join game, and they'll say, okay, do you want to join game? Yes. Launch software and join game? Yes, for God's sake, yes. <laughs> it, it takes 10 seconds. And then it puts you in a match that may or may not have that person in it anymore. Right. Like it's it puts really you in weird. the next game or two yeah. games later. And you have to sit and spectate an entire race. Yep. Which I hate. Yeah. Um, on the Wii, you could spectate but switch between characters, like the racers. You can't yeah. do that in this game. I thought that was so weird that they kind of omitted that. <laughs> Although I did, I did watch one time, uh, Maybe the worst Mario Kart player in the world. <laughs> um, it was a kid playing Yoshi, and it was on one of the Wii Resort uh, courses. Mm-hmm. And and he just, I mean, he was driving on the grass and the dirt. <laughs> he was, like, hitting things and hitting walls. And it's like he'd never played a handheld system in his life. And maybe that's true, but it was so funny to watch because I'd click on the map screen and see how far back he was. <laughs> and, like, if it had been any other track, he would have been lapped two times. It was so funny. Right, but that one's one continuous one. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty That's pretty awesome. I like those courses, those point-to-point courses. Those are great. Yeah, me too. Those are really neat, actually. But, um, yeah, so I'm enjoying that. And then, uh, I guess, not related to Christmas at all, except getting it around Christmas time, but Swap Note's been a lot of fun. Oh, man. I know you. You especially have had a lot of fun with it. I haven't checked it in a couple of days, so I know like I'm gonna open it up and there's gonna be a million messages. But those first couple of days after the system update and after I got it, like I was constantly carrying my 3ds around and like checking for notes. <laughs> from oh, me people. too. 
Yeah, I get a lot from you. And then there's another, I don't know if he's a listener or just a, if he's just a guy from the NWR forums, but, um, I can't think of his name now, but he, he sends out notes like twice a day. So I've been getting a lot of those and he's unlocked like all the crazy, uh, like stationary and yeah. like, sending music and stuff like that. And it's pretty cool. I haven't gotten any of that yet. Cause uh, I don't yeah. send out, send out enough notes. But. It's, I think it's kind of annoying that you have to spend coins, play coins to unlock stationary. Oh, is that how you unlock it? Well, no, you first have to unlock the ability to use, <laughs> use stationary. But then the other thing you have to use play coins for is eventually un- you'll unlock the ability to include like a five-second audio clip. Yeah. And it costs 15 play coins. Every time or just to use it, just to unlock it to do it? I think every time you use Jeez. it. So that's... I wish I met 3DS here. I just find the guy's name, but this this guy sends out music clips like all the time. He'll know who he is if, if he listens, but he yeah. sends out like clips of uh, game music, like right? exactly. Yeah, you know the guy I'm talking about. Yeah, and then like asks if people know what it is and stuff. It's pretty cool. It is. Um, but yeah, it's just a neat little system. In fact, I think in the post for this episode, I know it's posted probably on the uh, the forums, but I think I'll include all our uh, all us connectivity guys, all our uh, 3DS friend codes oh, that's good on the idea. post, so so people could add us. And if you're listening and you, and you do add us, make sure you message us and let us know so we can add you back. Otherwise, it's kind of useless. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I've been concentrating on sending pictures of my girls to yes. my entire friends list. Yeah, if you're going to add just one member of the Connectivity <laughs> crew, make sure it's Zach, because every day you will get a lovely uh, picture of one of his <laughs> scantily clad models. <laughs> and yeah, it's a nice uh, nice thing to wake up to every day. Oh, it is. <laughs> um, did you did you did you get my Godzilla one? No, I don't think so. I guess I haven't checked it in a couple days. Oh, that was that was sent like one of the first things I sent. Them, oh, so really? It might mm. not have been on my friends list. Yeah, that can't be right. Yeah, um, I think I added because we added each other a while ago. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to go back. I don't delete anything, so it should still be there. Oh, that's that's actually one of the things I don't like. I delete a lot, and it takes a while. Well, the thing that sucks too is if you delete it, then like you're removed from the thread. So yeah. even if people continue it's like talking. Gmail. Yeah, you don't get it. Yeah. And um, you can't so reply to your own stuff. Right. Like, people will ask me, you know, who is this? Who's this girl? Where'd you get her? I can't tell them. I can't reply. Without, like, having to make a new post make a brand and new sending note, it, like, yeah. specifically to them or something. Yeah, that kind of annoying yeah. thing. Yeah, there's some kinks to be worked out for sure, but it's it's still kind of cool. Oh, it's a great um, system. And, and, you know, I feel like now, in December, the 3DS is finally gotten the like the whole package is here oh yeah it took a while it's i mean it's awesome but i mean now it's other, awesome <laughs> yeah i mean the other day i was like i'd play a, a race of mario kart online and then i'd stop and i'd check swap note and like look at one of your models and then <laughs> and then i'd like boot up pushmo for a few minutes and then like i'd sit down for like 20 minutes and play a few minutes like few uh um uh, i don't know fights in fire emblem and, you know, and then just, like, going back and forth between all of that, it's been great. <laughs> Is Fire Emblem good? I haven't played that yet. Uh, I love it, but it, it's very it's very old school, and it's very Fire Emblem. So have you have you ever played a Fire Emblem game? No, no. Okay. It, it's it's worth a shot. Um, to see. If, do you like strategy games in general? Maybe. What kind of strategy game? Mm, like turn-based uh, strategy? Like a, uh, not a StarCraft kind of thing, more like no, no. Age of Empires? No, yeah, not like either of those. I'm oh. trying to think of, of what like a good analog. I mean, I guess sort of like did you ever play like Final Fantasy Tactics or anything or Ogre Battle? Yeah, I played Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. Okay, yeah, and that it, was okay. 
Yeah, so it, it's sort of like that then. You know, you've got your units, and you move each one around the map, and once you move all of them and, and do your commands, then your turn's over, and then the bad guys go. Okay. Um, and back and forth like that. But Fire Emblem's very hardcore where, I mean, every every character has, like, a little backstory and, like, history, and if they die in a, in a battle, that's it. They're gone. Oh. <laughs> There's no, no reviving characters. So if you're very stingy about that, which I am, if someone dies, you just restart a, a match because you don't want to lose them. So. Thanks. Yeah, it, so if you're like, I don't know, OCD about keeping everyone alive, it can get, it can get difficult. And this is the GBA game, right? Yes. Mm. Also, I heard people on Twitter complaining that there is a lot of story text to read through between fights, which there is. But honestly, I've just been pressing start and skipping it completely. <laughs> like, I haven't read, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but it doesn't matter, because I just enjoy, like, the fighting and the strategy fighting. of that. Yeah, and, like, the, the characters in battles, so. Yeah, <laughs> I'll give it a shot. It's it's the one ambassador game I have not touched. Oh, okay. Um, the the one I touched and then immediately would never touch again was Kirby, which is terrible. Yeah, that was it, it. It lacks not having the multiplayer support. Oh yeah, and it's also For just sure. confusing. Like it is. It's it's like it's like the end of uh, the Smash Bros. Brawl single player game with all those stupid doors. Yeah, exactly. It's a weird one, yeah, without context. I guess if you read the manual, maybe, and could get some backstory, but it, it's kind of weird. Yeah, I, I, mentioned this nice. on, <laughs> I mentioned this on uh, when we talked about the Ambassador games last week. You weren't on the show, but uh, they, these it's fun, playing these is kind of funny because it kind of takes you back. It's like old-school game design from Nintendo. You mm-hmm. know, like, most of these games, they don't have tutorials in the beginning. It's not very, like, long, drawn-out... Um, I don't know, like stories and things like that. It just kind of plops you right in and, and sets you on your way. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting. The game with the most exposition is, I think, WarioWare. Yeah, or, well, probably Metroid Fusion, Oh, too. Fusion, yeah, you're right. That's got a lot of talking in the beginning. Oh, it's got more coming up. You'll see. <laughs> oh, I've already beaten it. I, I okay. Know. I, I, not, not recently, but I played it a long time ago. It's very, I, very I, uh, talkative. I actually think the game... Goes way downhill once you destroy the laboratory, and mm-hmm. then you're kind of forced to talk to the computer for like 20 minutes. Yeah, uh, and then go back to your ship. There are ways around that. I mean, you can find secret, uh, you know, entrances to all the zones to get more stuff. But seriously, I get to that point and I'm kind of done with the game. Yeah. Then I turn it off. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh. Well, yeah, I'm at. I'm- I would say if that's how you feel about the story in that game, if you play Fire Emblem, honestly, just press start through all the cutscenes. I will. Because it's so much talking, and it really doesn't matter. <laughs> it really doesn't. <laughs> I mean, sure, every funny. every fight, every fight, new characters will pop up. You'll have no idea how they even joined your party, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> you'll you'll be fine. Uh, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it. a yeah, shot. Yeah, do that. That's too funny. Well, How'd yeah, he get so, here? Well, know. <laughs> Who knows? But he heals my units, so <laughs> he's the keeper. But uh, yeah, so I, I think that'll about do it. I didn't get too much else for Christmas, and uh, we've gone pretty good time here. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see. Had anything else you wanted to add? Uh, let me think. No, not really. No, no, I'm good. All right. Sounds good. Well, yeah, like I said, next week uh, we'll be back with some listener mail and. Actual game of the year talk uh, that oh, was supposed yeah. to happen this week, but uh, some scheduling conflicts. So uh, you can look forward to that next week. And uh, I guess uh, this is it for 2011. So thanks everyone for listening and sticking with us from the jump to newscast to connectivity. Yep. Uh, it's been a lot of fun and a lot of work, but I think it's paying off. So oh, definitely, yeah. 
All right, cool. Well, yeah, then I'll, we'll see you guys later. Bye, guys. Welcome to this segment of Connectivity. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Pedro, exporter of Fine Mustaches Hernandez, and I'm here with Josh, a.k.a. Lolo, the No Pants Max. How are you doing? Doing all right. How are you doing? Doing great. And also with us is Dan, the Flying Dutchman. Good man. How are you, guy? I wouldn't call myself a Flying Dutchman. <laughs> I would just call myself the Traveling European Through Time. Possibly in, a, possibly in a TARDIS. Ah, I see you did that. Yes, yes. Uh, but you have to blame Castaneda for giving you that nickname. So let's forget all about it and let's get the segment started. Tonight we're going to be, going to be talking about everybody's favorite blue hedgehog, Sonic. Yeah, yeah okay. Sonic, no, no. <laughs> Sonic, I'm flying at the speed of light. Sorry for that, people. Anyways, uh, first, we're going to, be going to be talking about Sonic Generations for the 3DS, which recently, recently came out. A lot of people seem to like it. And then we're going to be talking about Mario and Sonic at the London 2012 Olympics on the Wii. And finally, we're going to close the discussion with about uh, our ideal Mario and Sonic game that isn't an Olympic Games. In other words... Um, what do we think should be the best Mario and Sonic crossover game that is in a mini game or Olympic games? So let's get this get this thing started. Let's talk about Sonic Generations on the 2DS. So what do you guys think? It's pretty good. Uh, you know, the thing about Sonic Generations on the 3DS is I played both versions. I played the HD one and I played the 3DS one. Um... What I found about the HD one, it's a big larger scope, it has a lot more content, it's way bigger, but the 3DS game is still pretty pretty good, like, um, the levels are well designed, they got a nice variety in there, they, they got all bases covered, they um, put in all the little segways of all the levels pretty damn well, um, but the main complaint is it's just a lot too small in scope, like, they really limited through this um, the C- the seven chaos emerald theory, where they can just have seven levels leading up to the final battle, um, which they completely got away of in the HD one. And I think that's my main grip of it is just because it's too short. But for the rest, it's a fine product. Well, that was kind of to be expected because this is a handheld game where... Yeah, but the thing is, the thing is, the 3DS is way more powerful than you think. Um, That's true, yeah. I I think the 2D and 2.5D stuff is pretty brilliant well done, 
but I think the engine could be a lot more powerful, especially considering the uh, Sonic 3D stuff. And I think it certainly can be done. Um, but the thing is, for now, this is a pretty straight direction to go in, but maybe when they fully focus on just a modern Sonic again, maybe they will just take a complete different scope, and I would be very interested to see where they take that. So anyway, Josh, and where do we build the game for the site? Uh, do you have any more thoughts about that, Josh? Hey, 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 I reviewed this game too before him. Yeah, we both reviewed yeah. the game. I, I, yeah, you, you guys will be better. I really enjoyed the game. I, uh, am, I grew up with Sonic. I loved, you know, everything Sonic Two, Sonic and Knuckles, Sonic CD. And I was really happy to see some of those stages and, and seeing classic Sonic. Although giving him the homing attack. Yeah, that homing. They. Okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. For the people who don't know, we need to explain this because we said kind of out of the blue. Okay. Yeah. So, so after the initial Mega Drive stages, um, they all of a sudden decide to give classic Sonic the homing attack, which some modern or more classical fans would say is an incredibly mean thing to do. Um. But it's used pretty well, I suppose. It's it's not terrible, um, but it's and you, it's not like every every time you jump, it's a homing attack, which is nice. Um, right. It's it's interesting to see classic Sonic use a homing attack. Um, it's just it was it was kind of an odd thing to see, especially when when you consider like we talked about beforehand, the HD version doesn't do all of this. You yeah. have there a skill shop which you where you can buy skills, so it's an optional thing. But most of this stuff come, becomes available after you complete the game and go through all those missions. So here it kind of feels crammed in there, and to me, it, the gameplay kind of becomes rush all over again, but now with classic Sonic, which is a debatable good or bad thing, depending on what you like or what you hate. Yeah, um, but... Uh, I mean, but uh, it, we both we both agree that the game was... Much shorter than we thought, and that kind of took away from it all. Um, yeah. But I, I enjoyed to see Sonic go back to his roots. I enjoyed um, the class. The, I enjoyed playing classic Sonic in, in all those stages, and I also enjoyed the Sonic Heroes uh, Chaos Emerald stages. That those, oh, were, those were all really fun. Uh, and I mean, overall, it just it, it delivered in every way that I wanted it to. Um, aside from it being so short. I would have loved to for them to put an actual Sonic Hero stage or like um, a Sonic Rush Adventure stage in, or maybe an older of one of the older handheld games. Um, doesn't take away again the game is brilliantly built, but again, yeah, like we both say now a million times all over again, it is a bit short. Although yeah. there are like 100 missions to complete and yeah. some. Um, do are reduxes of existing levels, but they introduce new elements which make it all over fun again. Um, and there's also a lot of other features. You still have to, like the time trials with the online leaderboards. You can compete against one one another in online matches. Although there is a little lag there. Uh, it's still it's still a really fun game, and oh, excuse me. And th- despite it being so short, I-, I still come back for more and more just to see if I can do better. Uh, I really enjoy it. I really enjoyed the game. Uh, I just wish the missions were easier to 
come by because there's so much content mission wise. But I spent like a bunch of my play coins, like a hundred play coins, on the missions. I only have like a quarter of them. Uh, same here. It's like, is it me or is like Sega's really pushing like play coin stuff as of late with Shinobi? Like every challenge map on there is like twenty play coins. Jeez. And here every uh, mission is like five. Is it? Well, yeah, it's every it's five. Well, for some of them, it's ten for other ones, and it's oh, five. Really? It's five for an instant uh, pass, like for a completion. Okay, okay. Well, so, some are five as well. So if you want ten, so two times clicking on that mission will completely erase it, and you get your bonus. Yeah. So you need about a thousand coins if you just wanted to unlock all the missions and not play them and get all the content. Although I, when I upgraded like a level. Through playing online matches, I did recognize that I also got a mission from that. So. Oh well, yeah. I mean, and and just by turning on turning it on, sometimes you'll get an extra mission. But I mean, still, I've I've been playing this for a while. And I still only have like, yeah, you know, like I said, like a quarter of them. I think I played it a bit longer, and I still have like f- only fifty of them. Jeez. So we barely done, and with the old new spot pass stuff and street pass stuff coming out, it doesn't really help. Oh yeah. So we are possibly not done for it for ages, but uh, there's potentially a daily game, uh, daily mission for you to play if you are dedicated to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess, yeah. So it is uh, both set both ways. So it can be lengthy or short depending on your tastes and if you like reduced content with new requirements. But when it's all said and done, it is worth your money. Oh yeah, it's. I think it's totally. I think it's totally worth the money. I, uh, one thing I was going to mention is that a lot of people are surprised that Sonic Generations is a really good game. Uh, in my case, I didn't think it was that surprising because I've been playing the games a lot lately, especially the modern games, and I've seen that there's a li- been a little bit of improvement since Sonic 2006. I think we can all agree that Sonic 2006 is the worst. Sonic game ever, like, it, that's as low as the franchise can go, like, really, really low. It has the worst story, the worst uh, gameplay, the worst um, controls, like, I, that, like, even Sonic Unleashed that had the really annoying, the really stupid Warhawk stages, uh, could chop the crapness that was Sonic 2006. But I don't, didn't, never thought that the Warhawk stages were that Bad. No, they weren't terrible. Yeah, they what, were just annoying. Yeah, yeah. That's something that I was going to say. Now, um, a lot of people crap on Sonic Unleashed as being a really bad game. I fully disagree because the daytime stages were really, really good. Like they got all of the ideas nailed down perfectly for the Sonic daytime stages. These uh, the Warhawk stages weren't that bad, but they were really long. And really annoying when compared to the daytime stages where the daytime stages were like two minutes, three minutes stops. But then you went to the Warhawk stages and they were like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. They were so slow. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. yeah I agree with that. So, but so, c- coming back to your worst Sonic game point, I think Sonic 2006 was the game that hurt it the most. Yeah. But I think Sonic R is worse. 
Oh, no, I love Sonic R. Come on. Well, I, personally, I don't count Sonic R as the, one of the worst games because that's a spin-off game. That's kind of like saying that Mario Kart Double Dash is the worst Mario game ever. And yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. It's it's okay, kind of fair enough. It is, it's kind of unfair to. It's like saying a Mario Party is the worst Mario game. Mm. Yeah, it's it's unfair to say that because that was developed by Tabulous Tales. That was a racing game, so it's kind of unfair to say that that game is the worst. Uh, we're mainly talking about the mainline Sonic games, and I think yeah, I, I, was, I, was, I was just I was just um, just mentioning. Don't worry, sir. Um, <laughs> but, but, don't worry uh, about it. Don't worry. But, uh, but I was uh, trying to make a point, so I will just continue onward. Um, okay. I think I when I I do believe that uh, the games got progressively better, especially considering um, all the stuff that went through in Sonic 2006. But I think the real renaissance came last year with um, Sonic Colors. Oh, I I completely agree. That agreed, was a great game. I agree completely. I heard people that the game sucked, but I, I hear that and say, really guys, did you even bother with the game? Because that was, everything in that game was nearly, nearly perfect. Like where Sonic 2006 six had this really annoying story about a princess having a bestiality fetish with Sonic, blah, blah, blah. This, this game actually had a sense of humor about it where Sonic was saying, oh, this is a stupid story, blah, blah, blah. And they know it. They know that it had a silly story to work with. So rather than, giving us something that was epic or serious or, oh no, Sonic has to save the world because it, the apocalypse is, is going to be upon us, blah, blah, blah. No, they knew that this is a cartoony story, so they went yeah. with it. But it, except for some um, some cheap deaths, deaths in uh, Sonic Colors, I think the game is near perfect. Like, the music is Sonic fantastic. Colors or Sonic Generation? Uh, Sonic Colors. All right, just checking. Um the the levels are fantastic. It's it's they made the this all the levels are just made to design be beautifully. Um, the music is fantastic. I love almost every single song of that soundtrack, except for maybe the ending song. Um, what was it called? I I don't even care. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I not a thing was maybe that I didn't like the bosses as much because they recycled the bosses here and there. Um, but for the rest, fun game. Really fun game. Yeah, it was a good game. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, Sonic... I think that the innovations made in Sonic Colors is what eventually helped them uh, create Sonic Generations with everybody saying it's the best Sonic game ever. Well, like... I, I certainly see that for the HD one. For the handheld one, though... It is. It's more of its own thing. It's more of an offshoot of um, what the handheld games are, uh, what they have become, and taking older levels, so as well as older and new stages, and see how they would take it in this more of Sonic Wash esque light. And it's pretty well done. No, um, it's it's well yeah. done. It's it's yeah. a nice it's nice to be able to go between classic Sonic and modern Sonic. Uh, yeah. I really, I, I really like that. I really like the different stages, and I really like how you're able to, um, you, you have a choice. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, before we move, move on to the next, uh, part of the segment, uh, how does the 3D work in Sony Generations for the 3DS? Because I'm kind of curious as to how it all works. 
the 3D gives death. Yeah, I mean... That's how the 3D works. I mean, it's... That, does, it, the, does it hate the gameplay or something like that? Because uh, I know the, the console version has the 3D option as well. Um, for platform games, I always find that um, it gives the background just more death. Yeah, it's about it. I mean, it does make a huge difference. It's cool um, sometimes. I, su- I, suppose, I suppose it gives a lot, a lot more extra to like the bonus stages and like the final boss mm. uh, because uh, you go in full 3D there and full 3D environments but um, for the most of the game it's um, regular pathing so they don't have necessarily the need to fully enhance their 3D um, they get, again they give a depth but it's not very um, it's not necessarily its main feature why you would buy it no, it's just kind of something on the side where you're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, okay, so, we all agree of... that Sonic Generations is a yeah. great game. Do I you have say... anything else to yeah, say about yeah. it? I want to say one more thing. Final Boss is better than the HD one. Just putting it out there for the Sonic fans. I know, because... the, the Final Boss was great. Yeah. Uh, I, will, I, will, I will not spoil anything, but um, you can fully freely switch in the HD one to 2D and 3D and you get some different gameplay elements, but for the most part, it's still the same battle, and it's kind of lame for it because you have all this massive build-up and sort of a letdown, and you have more this casual let-up to the final boss in the 3DS version, and it turns out it's way more epic and fun. It's awesome. It's 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 what the HD final battle should have been, but. Because it's on the 3DS, it's just way more awesome because it is. Alright, so you guys heard it here. This is the Sonic Cycle actually has a different ending than for the other games. Sonic Generations is a really good game. You guys should check it out. And now we're going to talk about another Sonic game, but this time is Mario, Mario Sonic at the London 2012 Olympics. Uh, I recently reviewed the game for the site, so I want to start this. Yes, you did. First of all, yeah, first yeah. of all, I have no shame in admitting that I love the Olympic Games. Like, I know a lot of people keep saying that, oh, we want a real Mario Sonic game. We don't want any of this Olympic crap. I'm not like that. Yeah, I want my Sonic, Mario and Sonic OG crossover thing game as well. But I really love the Olympic Games, especially since the very first one in 2007. Um, the, and I really... Yeah, you know what? I, I like those games too. Um, there are some negative things I have against the original, like from 2007. It it felt a little bit... They could have done more of it, and that's what that's what London now is. It's a far more expanded game, and a far more well-thought-out game. Um, I always found, like, um, I found the Winter one was my favorite so far, and especially the, the DS one is also pretty damn awesome. Yeah, that's something that I was going to say just now that, well, I really like the 2011 Olympic game. The Winter Olympic game is really, really good. And in my review of that game, I said that that's how you should do a sequel. You took everything that worked in the original, polished it, 
and then add a lot more a lot more content to it. And I saw the implementation of new technology with the balance board, the mini games, the focus on more tighter controls. I saw that game was near perfect considering that the original original game has so many issues. And I, I, the one thing I didn't like about it though, I liked the story mode in the DS version, that was really good. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like the the festival mode in the Wii one. Um, it it felt a bit um, repetitive to unlock some some additional stuff like the dream events through that thing. It felt it felt really really forced. Yeah, to that I agree. Even though I enjoyed it more than you did, but I have to agree that unlocking all of the events in the previous games were kind of tedious because you had to be kind of specific with some of the events in order to unlock them. Yeah. Um, and one thing that we have to, I think we both can agree on is that it's really good that Mario and Sonic London 2012 fixes that by having all of the events unlocked from the very beginning. Oh yeah, I, I, when I saw that and I saw there's no festival mode, I was relieved. I was like, hallelujah. Um, one thing they've added instead, and one thing I think we need to start this with, they've added London Party. Which basically is Mario Party, but with sporting events. And set in London. And set in London. And the brilliant part of this is they have like 50 minigames to play, which actually work pretty well. And some of them are fun, some of are a bit clunky. Um, some you need to play a few times to get a grasp of it, but afterwards you j- can just play them from a menu if you want to. And they're, o- they're basically the, own, the only thing that you mostly need to unlock. And pretty much they are worth it. There are some really fun things in there. Um, for the rest, there are dream events to play. You p- play against the rifles you would find in the festival mode. So, like, you play against um, uh, Omega, um, Shadow... Uh, no, you don't play against Shadow, and a few other characters. Yeah, that was a really clever mode to input it. Uh, the only complaint that I have is that I kind of wish they had more boards to it. Like, the board that we start with is pretty good by itself. It has a lot of things to do. But I kind of wish that there was a little bit more to it besides the minigames. Like, more boards or something a little more... Uh, story driven. I have to admit that while in the festival mode was kind of tedious, I really enjoyed playing through that. In this, well, I kind of wish that there was something more to do with it. Uh, maybe it's just me. It's you just you me. know, you know, you, you are completely right about that board, and the board is pretty small. And after all, it really does get repetitive. It's, it's like you. you can see all of it, all of the board, in like a few seconds. And although there will constantly be new characters to challenge you, like new, like a shy guy, a Rouge from the Sonic series, or whatever, um, it will still remain the same board. And players will certainly get annoyed by doing the same thing after a while. But if you quickly go into the events and just basically um, don't care about the board. It becomes um, a far more quick and fun experiences, a quick experience, and I think um, that's it's a lot of fun playing through, especially when you have free friends on you. Yeah, definitely. The London Party is a great mode to share with people that don't 
necessarily want to get into all of the events right away. That's something that gives it a little more meat to it. Um, I just think that it needed a little more polishing in um, in the overall execution. Like you said, it gets repetitive. It gets kind of annoying with the whole, oh, no, it's daytime. We have to change. Oh, no, it's time, nighttime, whatever. Um, but overall, the mode is really good. Uh, but let's talk now about the actual events. Uh, I think they're really good. Like you said, it's basically the original game, but done better. Um, I see. I still have some issues with the controls. Like in this case, for no matter how hard I try, I just can't get the event to work. What about you? How about you? Same, same. Um, even in the in the dream event, it's a pretty difficult affair for me. I think the overall game has like an issue with balancing the Wii controller. I don't know what is going on there. I know that no matter how hard I try to to balance the control in the discus, it just doesn't register. It just doesn't register at all. And there are some games that actually rely on balancing for it to be completed. Another issue that I have with the controls is, I'm sorry, um, is with the synchronized swimming competition. There are some movement, movement, movements that for some reason no matter how hard I try, it just doesn't register. I almost never had that issue, but I did have a few times where the rank is lower than I thought, so I had an okay when I thought my move was pretty damn good and pretty accurate. Yeah, um, that's an issue that appears on many of the minigames too. Like, you swear you're doing everything right, you don't see any issues with the controls, then you go to the to the final event and they tell you oh you, you got a false or an ace or something and that really that really is annoying that's why when I reviewed the game I said that while it does improve of so many things it does kind of go back with the uh, with the gameplay as a whole I, I think you can basically all summarize the, all the controls in the game in three sections so first they're just the shake events like the running um Pretty basic stuff, no things acquired. Um, there are things with motion controls, like we just discussed. Um, and there are some issues with it. Some actually work well. Like, I, the Ripman weapon actually surprisingly works well. Surprisingly works, and is surprisingly fun. Um, and like the trampoline, and whatever. And finally, there's the, the sideways controls, which they introduced this time. Like um, football, or you guys call it soccer, <laughs> has now sideways controls. Um, volleyball has sideways controls, although you can play it with a remote and nunchuck if you like. Um, most of the dream events actually work with sideways controls. Um, and ex I think that's one of the better additions, because um, you don't always need to force yourself to swing your arms from side to side like you don't care. You can just... Sit on the couch, play a few rounds with a few friends, and um, have a good time. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Uh, I think uh, football was really good. I thought it was, even though it's kind of basic compared to something like Mario Strikers Charge, but it was surprisingly decent. It had a little bit of depth to it. I had a lot of fun playing football. Yeah, yeah. So, I think we need to close this out with talking about some of the dream events that are in the game. So, um, let's start with you. What was your 
one of the few of your favorite dream events? I personally like the dream long John event, where, if I'm not mistaken, that's the one where it takes place in Josh's story. I thought that was a really fun, really creative one. It does get kind of annoying when you try to go as far as possible and you have all of these obstacles and three other players jumping at the same time, but that's the logic of it. That's, you have to go as far as possible while avoiding all of these obstacles and other people that are competing with you. Yeah. Um, I liked, let me see, I liked um, Dream on Even Bars, where you swing from all these bars um, from left to the right of side of the screen and collect points by um, fill, by swinging as many times as possible. And when you actually stretch to another player, uh, you actually get bonus points and even more points for doing it. So that was a lot of fun, and it becomes really competitive. Um, and I that spoke... one is a little bit tricky. You have to actually learn it before you can you get to master it. I thought that was kind of tricky at first, but when you learn it, it becomes really fun. I agree with that as well. Um, another one I liked was the Dream Warf thing, um, which takes place on a cheap, cheap river. And you play various little missions, and finally you face off against the big uh, blooper, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, that's really. I thought it was going to be just a basic mini Mario Mario Party like mini game where you just try to stay on balance on the boat, but then also the bosses. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, um, there was um, Dream Hurdles where you were on the UFO of um, Battle War Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it becomes crazy with queen shells and a superstar and a uh, different kind of speeding. Um, then there's dreamwalking, which plays, takes place in the good um, in the first galaxy from uh, uh, Super Mario Galaxy 2, which is an insane battle against Petty Piranha, which is also pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I also like Dream yeah. Equestrian for the sole reason that it takes place on a classic Mario Kart level. He was I, I think the one from from the Wii version, I can't remember its name. Moo Moo something. Moo Moo Meadows. Yeah. Moo Moo Meadows. Yeah, Moo Moo Meadows. Uh, yeah. Speaking of Equestria, uh, Equestriana, you said something about how Mario and Sonic has the horse games because of Europe. Can you elaborate that a little bit? Um, apparently, um, this is said in the Iwata Asks, but apparently because we have so many horse games, and because it's a popular sport, and it kind of is, but whatever, um, we have now horses in this game. So, <laughs> I'm now forced to apologize to any American and Japanese who are offended by Mario and Sonic riding horses. I deeply <laughs> apologize for that. Well, I have no issue with that, I mean... We get to see Sonic uh, doing synchronized swimming, and and you can actually do a lot more worse in Mario and Sonic. For example, one thing that we like to do is take something girly like the ribbon competition, pick a character like Waluigi or Bowser, and they just have them running around gracefully and happily, like, wee, I'm so graceful. And in reality, you're playing as this really creepy guy with a mustache and he's enjoying it. So, I think you can do a lot worse than putting Mario and Sonic on a horse. Well, Bowser on a horse is even more annoying. Yeah, because technically the horse should be dead by the time he actually mounts it. Yes. 
Um, I think the weakest of the Doom events was actually Dream Sprint. Yeah, so that was kind of weak too. It, it, it was pretty short. It just takes a minute. Um, the controls were not very good. You had to t- um, tilt your remote from side to side. Um, and I found that some of the traps they put in there were pretty unfair. To close this little bit segment before we move on to the third and final segment, Mario and Sonic at the London 2012 Olympics is a really fun game. We recommend it if you enjoy, like I said in my review, if you enjoyed the previous game in the series, you're going to like this one because it's basically the previous games but done a little bit better. But if you thought that the other games were, were crap, you didn't like them, I doubt this one is going to change your mind. Regarding the subject. Yeah. I-, I wonder what they will do with the 3DS version, because I kind of played at Gamescom and wasn't really too fussed with it. Mm-hmm. I hope they do better. And they use a lot of the features of the 3DS, like the gyros and the touchscreen. But um, it seems to it seems to take a step back from um, what, all the, what all the things they did right in the winter one, just using basic buttons. And here it's it's becomes really annoying with using all of this crazy stuff. So I hope they know they know what they're doing. Alright, so that concludes our discussion on Mario and Sonic at the London 2012 Olympics. Uh, since we mentioned the, the Olympic Games, uh, one issue that one controversy that happens every time a new game is out is that everybody wants to see a Mario and Sonic. Adventure game. They don't want to see a mini game, mini game collection. They don't want to see a gimmicky collection. They just want to see Mario and Sonic in an adventure together. So, Josh, are you still there with us? Yep. Alright, so, we have, I want to start this by saying that originally I had an idea that Sonic Generations did it already, and that is to include words from the two franchises and have the characters run through it. Like, for example, in Mario, we have the level 1, the famous level 1-1, one, one, and we could have Sonic, like, running through it, while we have Mario jumping through Green Hill Zone. The appeal of that is that we could have two characters that are very differently, that play very differently, run through the stages, and maybe then we can see how different the, ga- the games really are. <clears throat> like for example, we know that Sonic is really fast, so you guys imagine... Uh, well, Sonic Sonic is not only really fast, it's also based on your timing and how much longer you can keep your momentum going. Um, so it's a lot more complex in some ways than Mario, or if you're talking about a good Sonic game. Its complexity can um, um, also overshadow some the most... Uh, younger players because they uh, must learn all this stuff at the same time. So um, if you if you really had this sort of game where you had Mario levels and you had Sonic levels, I think especially the Mario players will really have to get used to to Sonic style. Yeah, that's what, that could be to work, that could add a lot to the game if you think about it because it it, it forces you to rethink how you play a Mario and Sonic game because. For example, if you're playing Green Hill Song with Mario, you realize that the stage is actually longer because Mario is slower and he's actually more jumping and platforming skill while Sonic is all about skill and timing, like you said. 
Yeah, and I I think if they would do the Mario one in like Green Hill Zone, they would definitely make it shorter and possibly put some more hurdles in there so Mario can jump over them. Um, but I would like to see Sonic take on Bowser and Mario Eggman. I mean, I just think it'd be funny. Well, I, I, fun. have, I think it'd be fun too. Yeah, I actually have a little bit of a story for it. Uh, it could be like when you load the game for the first time, you start with Mario and then you start with Mario fighting Bowser like at the very last level. And then when you complete that level, something happens and the Mario universe, universe is kind of destroyed. And then you jump to the Sonic universe and you are playing as Sonic, beating Eggman for the 100th time. And then in that world, it gets kind of messed up too. So then all of the characters, all of the universe are in a big scramble going on in the universe. And then Mario and Sonic land in like in a void in space. And they get to meet for the first time. And I imagine Sonic going, whoa, who are you? Who are you? And Mario is like, it's we played Olympic it? Games together. We did. Well, yeah, yeah, they have to do this referential stuff. That's the thing. If they're really gonna do this all the way, like if they're really gonna do it, uh, combine these two worlds, they need to go all the way and make that reference. Yeah, they say. Do you remember Sonic? We play all those Olympic games. Remember? And Sonic <laughs> would be like, I don't remember. I seen you a crazy dude. Okay, sex, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Or, you know, they could reference Brawl. That'd be funny. Oh! Yeah, that would be quite kind of... If, you, if they want to capture the fan base, they have to make uh, Smash Brothers references, like say, oh, yeah, and you and I fought together against some being in with other characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. They have to also bring up the whole console war back then. They have to bring up yeah. every single path along the way up to this very point in time. If they do that and do it, if if they, if they bring it and if they really bring this awesome story I just thinking about in my head, then yeah, I would totally be down for that. Yeah, I would definitely be down with that as well because there's nothing like referencing game history in a title like Mario and Sonic because everybody knows the epic struggle that there was between Mario and Sonic before Sonic became a multi-platform character. And I think it would be kind of nice and in a metafictional way if they sort of reference that Webberly either to mention it directly or, or making them start as rivals, like they hate each other and say, oh, that's a, that annoying blue hedgehog or that stupid plumber or his ruined universe or Maybe even start blaming each other as to what happens with their universe. It's like, our universe is destroyed because of Sonic or Mario, and we have to do something. And then at the very end, to close it on a high note, they have to say, you know what? We guys, we are not as bad as people think we are. We should be friends, blah, blah, blah. And then we start the epic battle or something like that. Robo Bowser um, steered by Dr. Eggman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, that brings me to another point entirely, which would be, who developed the game? Ooh, um... Because we right now we have, Nintendo, on the Nintendo side, we have Tokyo EAD, which has done really amazing games in the last few months. Can I, can I, can I go with a very orthodox choice? Yeah. Good feel. Uh. Yeah, that's... 
actually a really good choice there. Yeah, because Good Feel has done various dif- different platformers. They have done uh, Wario Land, uh, Shake Dimension. They have um, done Kirby's Epic Yarn, which was originally their own title, but they um, made some elements here and there and made it into a full-fledged Kirby game. And I think they can work on various different art styles. They know how the physics of a platformer should work. Um, I think if it comes to platformers, I would trust Sega, a Sega Sonic team. I would trust Tokyo's AED. But in between there, between those two, is Good Feel. Not to mention that with Good Feel, you don't have the epic struggle of egos because Tokyo EAD knows how to make games and they have their own style of game design. And you have Sonic Team which have their own um, design choices and there will be a struggle between two companies saying, no, we should do it our way, no, we should do it this way. With Good Feel, they will get to design their own neutral game and implement it with the, and implement the two franchises. So that way, the two companies are happy, the players are happy because they know they have a good company working in the game, and there wouldn't be this clash of egos that people would expect when two companies try to work on an original game like this one. Yeah. I just want to hear the little boot up Sega. The Sega! And then, that's, 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 all, that's all I really want. I know it's kind of off topic, but that's that's all I want. No, it would be kind of interesting if you load the game on the Wii or whatever, and they just you listen, Sega, Nintendo, what? Hmm. Sega, Nintendo. Or every time you load the game, it's something different, like Nintendo, like with Mario, and then when you load the game, it's Sega. It would be kind of neat. Yeah. So anyways, um, I was, I was saying that this is possible to do, but it, as it would be possible, as some say that it would be impossible for them to make a actual Mario and Sonic game that is in a minigame collection. They, they made, I remember way back when the first Olympic game came out, they said that the reason they went with an Olympic game is because the Olympics has this theme of nations coming together, in peace to celebrate an event, so that's why they put Mario and Sonic in in the Olympics because it would be the two characters coming together in peace for the first time in years, etc., etc. I think they could they could still do something with an actual real Sonic Mario and Sonic game. We already gave them ideas as to how to do it. It's not really impossible. The a possibility would lie in if. Mario and Nintendo and Sega will actually get together and decide on something. That is going to be really tricky, so maybe that's why they went with the Olympic Games for all this time. Maybe it's just me, I don't know. I think the closest they ever got was that story mode in the DS version of Winter Olympics. Because they used all these different characters with all these different abilities, and then new ones joined your team, and you had this story where you had to battle against Eggman and Bowser. Um, well, not necessarily kind of, but it it was a well-made thing, um, and I, th- I certainly think it could work as a full-fledged product, although with some big alterations and no Olympic games. 
So anyway, that's our thought on our thoughts on an actual Marion Sonic games. Uh, unfortunately, it's getting really long here, so we have to cut it short. I want to thank you guys for joining in and talking Sonic Generations and Marion and Sonic. Are you guys glad to be talking about Sonic in a positive way? Yeah. I, I I did it all last year when I played uh, Sonic Gener- Sonic Colors at four different events. <laughs> I'm happy to talk about them again after Black Knight and Secret Rings. I, I'm I'm happy to, that we can talk. We can now say, yeah, Colors wasn't just a fluke. It was now we've Colors and Generations. And maybe we have the rumored Dimensions coming up, which is the last of this trilogy. Possibly. Let's hope. Thank you, thank you guys for coming in. It was really fun, and thank you guys oh, yeah. for listening. Okay, bye-bye, take care, and keep Sonic racing. Super Sonic racing. This is Mike Sklens. I'm here with uh, Andrew Brown. Hi. And Patrick Barnett. Hello. We are going to be um, talking about Skyward Sword, finally. Uh, we wanted to give everyone plenty of time to finish it uh, before we talked about it, since we are going to um, probably be having a lot of spoilers in this talk. So uh, if you haven't finished it yet, um, you might want to stop listening and come back and listen to this segment when you've finished. Uh, I actually haven't finished it, ironically. I just finished the fourth um, Silent Realm, the one that takes place on Skyloft, and it reminded me, because I haven't, it's been a long time since the third Silent Realm and the fourth Silent Realm, and it reminded me how much of I hated the, how much I hated those sections. <laughs> one of the few parts of the game I didn't like, but what did you guys think of them? I actually enjoyed them. I found them a, a unique challenge. It was a little bit uh, reminiscent of the, uh, the stuff in Phantom Hourglass and uh, Spirit Tracks, where there's the things chasing you through the labyrinths and, uh, uh, yeah. In general, I didn't really like them at all. Um, I found that they were more tedious because you generally would get to the very end of one and then you'd get hit by one of the uh, guardians or whatever they were called. Mm-hmm. And then you had to start all over. Oh, yeah. yes. That, that was a yeah, pain that... in the ass until I, I figured out the secret. My girlfriend actually told me the, uh, the method in which you can actually run away without needing to use the dash at all. Uh, generally, the uh, guardians are so slow that you can just uh, walk, and they won't be able to reach you. They'll get close enough, take a swing, they'll miss, and you can just continue just walking casually, and nothing can catch you. <laughs> so I guess as long as you're not... I come to think of it, most of the times I got caught by a guardian, it was either because I did something stupid, and like, I don't know, it was like happened to be like standing right on top of one when I triggered it, or um, or I would like run into a corner somehow. Like, I was trying to climb a wall, but I would get the angle wrong, and Link would not run up the wall and grab it, and by the time I was trying to make my second attempt, I would get caught. 
Uh, yeah, that happened to me in the desert, trying to climb to the top of yeah. the, uh, the pyramid monolith thing in the center there. Um, yeah. yeah, I made sure to get that one, like, first or second on the list, so I wouldn't have to deal with it. Yeah, I think it tricks you into it, where, like, the sky goes red, everything goes, like, crashing, and uh, you, you tend to panic. And you're like, oh, yeah. shit, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming, I'm going to dash now, and then you run out of stamina, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely the case. Or the one that got me, the one that I was doing on this Skyloft one, is that one of the times I grabbed, there was one in the cemetery, and then you have to, like, go back under that kind of little, that bridge. There's, like, a, not not the main bridge, but where the houses are, you have to, like, go into, a, like, a mini tunnel. Oh, just, like, and the, the water And there's walking water down there, yeah. and I didn't know it was there, because I came into the cemetery from above, and then when I ran, when I was running out, there was no water there, so as I was running through that hall, the water came up and got me, and I was, and there was a guardian right there, and I was like, are you kidding me? This is so cheap. It, <laughs> it just so cheap. came out of nowhere. But yeah, if you, I think that was the, the general idea is just take things slowly, stare, look around. If anything looks out of place, hmm, there's probably going to be a trap there. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like that one in the desert where you have to pull that cart to get on top oh, of it. Oh, that and got there's a me. Pool once. Of water that, yeah, that one got me like twice. That one got me too. <laughs> oh, there's one, the one on Skyloft where you're pulling the crate as the, the, yeah. uh, is it a Poe? Uh, some sort of ghost yeah. is uh, patrolling back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is a Poe. I never thought of that. Hmm. Never made the that one that gave me a lot of trouble. The one that gave me a lot of trouble was in Skyloft, the one on top of the hill, where there were four of the uh, Poe ghosts or whatever circling Oh, it. and you have oh, to yeah, slip between you, uh, the searchlights. If you walk with the strafing mode turned on, it doesn't trigger, like, the sound of them, because you're walking so slowly when you're in strafe mode that you, when you walk by them, it doesn't even matter what speed you're going at, because the speed Link's moving at is not enough to trigger, like, their sound alarm. So it doesn't widen the circles. Oh, interesting. Figured that one out tonight. <laughs> huh. Cool. <laughs> but yeah, that was, uh, that, um, that was the only part of the game I really disliked, apart from maybe the tediousness of trying to gain altitude while flying. Oh, I, I didn't find that. continually <laughs> drove me insane. Really? I would love to get to that island, but I'm a little too low, and I have to make, like, four passes while trying to gain momentum, but every time I try and get height, the bird runs out of steam, and I have to dive back down again, and it's just like, I don't know, I found the... People complained a lot about the, uh, the, uh, sailing in Wind Waker, and I never understood it, because I really, really, really enjoyed the sailing in Wind Waker, but the flying in this, I think, is how I, how most people felt about the sailing in Wind Waker for me. I just, I find it the most tedious thing and there's nothing to do and there's so much distance between stuff. And at least on the boat you had a little cannon that you could shoot at stuff and there were enemies that would fly by occasionally or sail by. But in this game it's like there's no enemies except for those annoying bug things inside the Thunderhead and you can't even kill them until like three quarters of the way through the game. You have no way to even attack them. Occasionally there would be like Octorok sitting on one of the floating yeah. islands shooting at you. But all you're doing is dodging the... them, really. Well, yeah. And then there's the birds that like hover in front of you with a rupee. I, I actually missed one just a few minutes ago with a one of the silver hundred rupees, and I'm like, holy crap, I want that, I want that, and then it vanished. And where did you go? Oh, well. Um, no, but uh, with the, the flying, I really don't have much of an issue. My general... Um, strategy towards it is to use the, the wing flapping where you swing upwards and downwards with the remote to make you uh, quickly gain altitude, and then I get right what? up to is the that, very top. I didn't know you could do that. Oh, it's like one of the first things it teaches you. How yeah. did I miss... <laughs> like, you just shake the remote <laughs> yeah, up and down? Yeah, you just uh, flap the remote like a wing up and down, and you quickly oh my gain God. altitude. 
So you I'm going to murder somebody. <laughs> I don't know how I missed that instruction. Wow. Because I've been doing that thing where you have to like dive down to gain a lot of speed, and then you pull up, and then you I would use the the dash moves to gain a lot like a little bit of altitude. But then by the time you got to the top of those dashes, the bird was out of steam, and I had to dive back down again, and I had to like do it. And sir, oh my god, I'm going to kill someone. <laughs> I've been doing this. I've logged almost 40 hours on this game, flying like a retard. Wow. Wow. I was well, I would probably change my opinion yeah. on the flight. Yeah, well, if you go right to the very top of the the available sky space and then pretty much just go into a dive, you can quickly reach whatever your destination is by almost diving the entire way. And if it, you fall short, you can just flap your wings and, and go back up again and dive down, down to the island again. Oh, my God. Yeah, I totally missed all that. It took me, like, almost, like, probably 15 or 20 minutes to... To catch like the first flying thing you do when you have to what is it you have to catch that bird or whatever ah yes it was like as like the ceremony thing yeah that probably took me like ten to fifteen minutes to do I have a suspicion because I didn't know I could uh, do that and I landed at the bottom of the sky and I was like how the heck do I climb <laughs> I have a suspicion that that's how everyone feels uh, they skip through the text going yeah 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 I know how to fly that's all good so enough, much right? of it and just that if they if they paid attention and actually did that frequently, then they'd have no issue. But you know what the thing is? Usually, and I feel bad, I feel kind of like, this is probably isn't a good excuse, but usually in, a, in these Nintendo games, if you're doing something wrong for long enough, something pops up and says, hey, do you need us to explain this again? <laughs> like, oh, it's always God. like, are you sure you got that? Do you want me to repeat it again? And I, I usually just blow through it, but then if you screw it up, they're like, after, after so much time, whatever the event is fails and then like you're back at the guy who's telling you what to do and he explains the whole thing over to you again and that does not happen in that opening sequence because I I did it for 15 minutes and it never once said maybe you're not doing it right I think it was just one passing comment like the very last thing Zelda tells you before the contest starts she's like oh by the way you can do this and then on with the contest nice Anyway, uh, I, I sound like a negative Nancy in this game. <laughs> Those are the only two things I did not like, and it sounds like one of them is my own fault. So uh, I loved the rest of the game. I thought it was absolutely fantastic from what I've what I've played so far. Yes, uh, up up in the, my top three Zeldas. I mean, my favorite is still Wind Waker. Um, I just loved the the style, the emotion, and everything. All the the subtle details, like as you're walking past, if there's something interesting, Link will look at it and turn his head as you walk past. Uh, there's the thunder in the background, and then the real-time lightning, or the, or vice versa, the, you see lightning off in the distance, and then in real time, the thunder will roll towards you as you're sailing around. Uh, so many subtle little details that people would overlook. Uh, if you go to, uh, is it Windfall in the center? Uh, the, the island with the windmills, yeah, Windfall. Uh, if you go there during a thunderstorm when it's raining, you can actually stand under the awnings near the stores, and the rain will not pass through any ceilings above you. So you can stay dry underneath, and uh, the rain doesn't reach you there. It's just all these little artistic... That's all in, that's all in Wind Waker? Yeah. All right, well, I'm running that. All these tiny, tiny little artistic details, I guess maybe because I've done 3D modeling and animation before, I noticed these things, but I, I don't know. I just, the whole game, I was just completely awed. And, uh, yeah, Wind Waker was, uh, Wind Waker was really good. Yeah. It's been a while since I played Wind Waker. Yeah, me really too. And I was looking to play it again this summer, and I, I don't know, my copy's lost, so I don't know where it is. So no. I cannot play it. I oh, it'll be out on Wii U. That's guaranteed. 
Hopefully. <laughs> but the hope of the little map down on the, uh, the sailing map down on the screen. That would be cool. Hey, that would be. Oh, speaking of that. <laughs> you could chart a little course and see where you are. That's cool. Yeah. Um, that was my major gripe with Skyward Sword. You actually just reminded me. The, uh, the overall size of the game. When I first saw the sky map, I thought, okay, this is gonna be one quarter, like in Phantom Hourglass. Yes! And, uh, then it turns out that's the entire world, and I, I was a little bit disappointed, and then you, you only visit the three areas, and they're, they're considerably small compared to previous games. But, uh, yeah. then the way they creatively open up new areas and, and reuse the same places that you visit in, uh, I guess you could still call it Hyrule, even though it's not called Hyrule yet, I guess. Um, yeah, and they tease that too at one point. Like, oh when, yes, when the Groose lands there. He's like, I should come up with a name for this place. And you're like, oh, he's gonna name it Hyrule. No, he picks Groose Land. Yeah, and the music goes all uh, epic, and you're like, this is the official naming of Hyrule. And oh, Groose yeah, Land. and there's like, wah wah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like everyone else. I hated his guts at the start of the game, but he's one of my favorite characters now. He is. Um, I was thinking about this as I was playing it. He is basically almost an exact carbon copy of Biff Tannen from Back to the Future. I would say that. that and, um, except except he ends up being lovable. Biff never ends up really being lovable, but he Biff ends up losing, and it's like, ha-ha, Biff. Like, he's never really totally evil. And that's kind of the way I feel about Groose. He reminds me a little really of uh, Gaston. Hmm? Yes, Gaston. Exactly. Gaston's the exact same way, yeah. Yes. He's yeah, uh, very much like Gaston. I actually saw some uh, fan art that someone did of uh, of Zelda with a scroll or something, and Gaston's holding it sideways, going, "How do you read this? There's no pictures as, uh, <laughs> of, of Groose, uh, just like Gaston in the the movie." And yeah, uh, credit goes to whoever did that art if they're listening. Uh, sorry, I can't remember your name or the title of the the picture there, but anyway. Well, um, let's see. What's what was your, uh, I guess, Patrick? What was your favorite? Did you, are you the, are, you're on the Hero Quest now, right? I'm not actually doing Hero Quest. So. Oh, I'm sorry, I got you guys backwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew one of you was doing the Hero Quest. Well, Patrick, um, what do you think? Uh, I guess, I guess. Well, what's your overall impression of the game, and what do you think are some of its strongest points and weakest? Um, I thought it was in general. It's probably one of the better Zelda games I've played. Um, as the strongest point. I really like the dungeon design, what they did differently, where they got rid of the multiple floors, levels, whatever you call them. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Only the pirate ship had the actual multiple levels, which... Oh, and yeah, that was actually the, um, my favorite dungeons, too. The uh, ghost place. Yes, mine, mine as well, but uh, yeah, the you were talking about the ghost one there, the, the hell dungeon, or the underworld yeah, some dungeon. Them, yeah, some of them had like a... Uh, like a basement, but it wasn't really like a, or like a, like an attic kind of area, but it was never really like a whole other story's worth of rooms. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad there was no, uh, tedious, uh, water temple style dungeon. I mean, I, I never had too much of a trouble with the, the water temple in Ocarina of Time. I thought they dumped it down ridiculously badly in the, the 3DS version. Um, really? All they did was add those colored lines. Yeah, but it just made navigating so much more simplified, uh, and all the markings on the walls saying, you need to go here, and, and this is the yeah, path yes, you have yeah. been in before, and, uh, and, and the, the, didn't they have signs on the, next to the water charts showing what the level, what level were, to? yeah. Yeah, yeah which, which switch brought the water to what level. Yeah, but, uh, in Skyward Sword, there was nothing that was particularly, um, 
tedious, I would say, to, to go through the dungeon and go, oh crap, how do I do this again? Uh, I need to go back to this room that I was at before to do one little thing and then leave. And it, it didn't seem like that. It was all fairly straightforward and flowing well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, I did, uh, halfway through the game, I, I did actually miss a little bit of the, the multiple level dungeons. I thought, oh, I hope they're not gonna all be just, flat out like this, and then I, I was sufficiently satisfied. And the- There are some later ones, yeah. I like how the, I don't know if they did it on purpose, but the water temple in this game is almost kind of informed by the water temple in Ocarina, where they both have like a big central column and then a bunch of rooms off to the like, off to the side of a big center room that has a giant tower in the middle of it. They're both the same. Yes. I don't know if that's on purpose or not. That's funny you mentioned that. That's they got really, really lucky, yeah. maybe. That's the first thing I thought of when I walked in. I was like, oh, it's a giant central column with some rooms inside of it, and then on the outskirts there are more rooms. Like, I mean, it's probably because I just played Ocarina earlier this year on the 3DS, but they're basically the same. Not that they're totally different dun- dungeons, but they have the same kind of general idea to them. Uh, that's uh, similar to the layout of the the first dungeon. The I think it's called the Skyview Temple, the first one. Uh, yeah. That actually has the the water rising puzzles, but uh, fortunately you only just have to raise the water level twice, and that's it. But, um, yeah, uh, the general layout of that dungeon as well, there's the main entrance with the, the Stalfoss boss battle in the little cavern thing in the middle, and then there's the branching off paths in the four directions again. Yeah. Huh. Interesting thought. <laughs> wow. Well, let's see, what did you guys think of the, uh, the bosses in the game? I thought they were, uh, I thought they were for the most part pretty good, um, Especially, um, what's his name? Um, was it Kaloctus, the uh, the clockwork Buddha? Oh, the thing? golden thing. That was thing. the best. That was, was the best the fight, I think. In, yeah, in the yeah, one at the waterfall. Yeah. yeah, I thought he was the best. Yes, he was definitely better than the uh, octopus squid thing that you fought in the pirate ship. Oh, I enjoyed that. I thought it was. I, I, I thought that one was good. I thought it was I very like interesting that, that the boss starts attacking you before the actual boss battle. You go into the boss room and there's nothing there, and suddenly the ship gets torn apart. Yeah, you have to go outside, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I generally use Skyward Slices, or, or whatever they're called. I use them quite frequently, and um, uh, this was a, a fun boss battle to, to play, just cutting the tentacles and that, and then, uh, except for when you miss the eye with the arrows, which happened more than I would like to uh, admit to. You have to be good at that quick draw with the nunchuck. There's no way you're going to even get a chance at it if you're using the Wii Remote to charge the... Uh, to charge the arrow, the bow and arrow up. Oh, I I never used the quick draw. Yeah, because if you hold if you press the C button and jerk the nunchuck back, it instantly charges the bow all the way. Oh, I never knew that. That's cool. Yeah, I remember that. That makes it a lot easier because it lets you fire off shots really quick. Wow. Wow. I remember Fee mentioning about it, but I thought it was just an alternate control method that you could use. Yeah, it's way better because it does it, and plus, as soon as like. Once it's charged up all the way, the camera zooms in like just a little bit, so it makes it a little easier to hit targets, which it does on the with the A button too. But it takes like three or so seconds for the arrow to for the bow to charge up if you just use the A button. Ah, I would always just aim a little bit ahead of where the eye was swinging towards and and hope to God that yeah. I yeah. Well, you still have to do that for the release, but it just makes the timing of the shot like you can just pull the nunchuck back and then let go of the button and it fires. Wow, I'm gonna try that. Uh... I'm we always... both learned something. I now know how to fly, and you can quick draw a bow. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to go turn it on and try it. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I'm currently going through hero mode. I'm just about to enter the third dungeon for the second time. Um, so far, it, it seems largely the same. Uh, a lot of the explanations at the start of the game can be skipped now. Like, the characters will acknowledge that you're actually playing hero mode, and they're like, oh, you've heard all this before, haven't you? You can skip this if you like. Which is That's uh, nice. a neat little touch. Um, some of them say, oh, I, I know that you already know how to do this because you're playing hero mode and that, but I'll just go over it again anyway. Which <laughs> seems to just make Link go, oh, okay, let's just get on with it. But, um, yeah, for the most part, uh, the difficulty is ramped up as in everything does double damage and you can quickly find two hits from even the Octoroks in the forest before the first dungeon will kill you straight away. Um, you do get to, uh, Oh, and there's no heart pickups, so you can run around chopping grass and stuff, but you won't get any health back. But, Even with the heart metal? Uh, the heart metal, which I've only just managed to get now, the first of the, uh, the goddess cubes has revealed one. Uh-huh. Um, uh... I found that the game in general would, was very, even on the normal, it was very stingy on hearts until you got that metal. Really? I would chop down fields of grass and get, like, one or two hearts. Ah, it would drive me insane. Because I'd be like, I need hearts! <laughs> they were never really a problem for me. You could, uh... Did you realize you could sit down at those stools that were placed around and it would replenish your hearts? Yes. No. What? Did you actually I sit knew I on could anything? Sleep. I knew I could sleep and do that. I think I sat on one or two things and I was like, this is... Well, I sat on the toilet in the beginning of the game and I was like, this is novel. And then I just... I guess I just assumed that sitting on things was just for looks... Yeah, ah, if you just right. sit on it and you stay there for a few seconds, it slowly replenishes your hearts yeah. all the way up to full. It's God. actually not all that slow either. It takes like two or three seconds before the hearts start replenishing, and then it's like one every second. And then you sit Jeez. there for ten seconds, your hearts are full, get up and go on. Wow, this game holds your hand. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. So now when people when people inevitably go through and do like the no heart pickup run, where like, you know, you don't pick up any of the heart capsules and you finish the whole game on three hearts... They're going to have to have that stipulation is that also you're not allowed to use stools. <laughs> Probably, yes. Three um, hearts, no stools. Wow, I, that would be ridiculously hard, yes. It'd be hard in this game, especially... I felt like overall the difficulty in the game was a pretty natural progression, except that the first boss in the first temple when you first fight Girahim is, like, insanely difficult. <laughs> oh, yes. Because you um, haven't really mastered how to play the game yet that at that, at that point. Like, this, you've only gone through the first dungeon, and there's not really, like, oh, you cut this one sideways, or in this plant vertically, and that's really it. But then you get to gear him, and you're like, you need to know what, what the hell you're doing, and you don't. I almost I didn't. completely got obliterated by him. Uh, I went back and yeah. I was complaining to my girlfriend, going, he knocked the sword off me, and then it somehow managed to keep landing on the other side of him, so I'm... Oh, that moment. The first time it happened, I thought it was like a scripted moment. So did I. Like, he, you dropped the sword, and at that point, that is the only time I've ever been genuinely, like, had a feeling of I'm completely fucked. When I'm playing any Zelda game, I've never been like... Felt like I was that in the shit, except for the moment where Gyurhim just grabs your sword and just takes it. And yes. was just like, what the hell am I going to do now? I have no weapon. That moment was really great. Yeah, and whenever I was like an inch away from picking it up again, he would zip past and grab it again, and it would be on. And I'd be like, no, not again. And, See, um, and that only happened to me once the whole time. It only happened to me once the whole time, so I thought it was a scripted moment. Yeah. But then I read someone on the internet said, like, he kept stealing my sword, and I was like, oh, I guess that's just a thing he can do. 
yeah, my girlfriend's like, uh, if you if you actually took the sword to begin with, you're doing it wrong. And I'm like, what, really? Oh, fine. But Yeah, yeah, I guess it's not supposed to happen. But he always, he does that thing constantly where he grabs it with his fingertips, and that's annoying. Oh, yes. Um, the, uh... The second time you fight him, that, oh, he must have grabbed my, my sword like a million times, and then I had to, so much I had to actually, I cheated, and I looked online, and it's like, and they're like, wave the point of the sword at him a bit first, and then attack. Yeah, you sort of have to aim in one particular direction, trick him, and then quickly swap directions and, and strike from the other direction. Yeah. And, uh, it catches him there off guard, uh... which is, uh, quite an interesting mechanic, and it works well when you know what you're yeah. doing, but, uh, it didn't really give you that many hints as to... Yeah. And I kept thinking, like, well, I've done this so many times, maybe if I just ask Fee, she'll tell me what to do, and she's... No. <laughs> She's like, I'm still calculating. You can come back yeah. later. <laughs> There's a 98% chance that I'm a moron. Like, <laughs> or she should be telling me, Master, there's a 98% chance that you're doing it wrong. <laughs> like, that's, that's, all, that's all she really says. <laughs> yeah. Um, that said, I, I, I like V. Uh, I find her infinitely better than Navi, even though she can be quite as annoying. Uh, master, your batteries are running low. Master, master, your hearts are running out. Whatever, blah 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 blah. But yeah, like, I get it. The first two times I'm running low on hearts, I get it. Like you're telling me that that noise that I'm hearing means I'm out of hearts. Yeah, I get it. You don't need to do it every time. Yeah, it, it can be a little bit grating, but at least you don't actually have to listen to her, and she's not screaming at you to listen to her every time. Hey, listen. well, no, but she does make that noise on the remote. Yeah, it only lasts for like five seconds, and then she oh, shuts up and. I've never let it last more than that. It annoys me so much, I just clear it out right away. <laughs> so, I assumed she would do it forever. Ah, right. Um, that, uh, she has a pleasant voice. That's not quite annoying. Oh, we need, no, we need to talk oh. about that. Really? All right. One thing, I guess another really minor, more of a, on a production end of thing that really irks me is that this game has amazing music. Like, best music in any Zelda game ever. Hands down. But these songs that you learn how to play, and then, like, you have to sit there and try and get the rhythm right while you're waving the remote, but there's no, like, metronome or anything. There's, like, the thing that pulses in the middle, but I never found it much help. I felt like I was doing it in time, but I never was. But then when you finally pull it off, and this beautiful song plays, and then Fee sings over it, and she sounds like K.K. Slider from Animal Crossing. Well, she's like, wah, 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 wah. Well. Not quite. The she music actually around her is the, the different voice sounds, like the different phonetics. But uh, but she sounded like a, I mean she sounded like a computer singing, which I guess she is a computer. She's a vocaloid. But, yeah, but oh, it sounds it sounds like KK Slider from Animal Crossing, and it's just like <laughs> just have someone's. I know you don't want any voices in this game, Nintendo. I know you hate voices in Zelda games. I don't know why, but I know that you do. But you should have just had someone with at least a halfway decent voice sing and then computerize that. What it sounds like is they just typed in play this note, play that note, play this note, and had a computer sing it from scratch. Really? I, I thought it was better than that. Um, I thought it was. It sounded like K.K. Slider to me, but uh, it I, didn't fit at all. The production quality of her singing was well below the rest of the game's music. I thought the fact that she didn't actually move her mouth while singing was infinitely more disturbing than the sound oh, of her yes. voice. And, uh, I get it, she's a robot, she's got, like, an internal memory of that song. So she just opens her mouth, assumes that's how people sing, I guess. But, um, the the fact that they've actually started to introduce a, a Hylian language, like, Zelda sings beautifully at the start, and then, yeah. I think... Yeah, see, she sings beautifully, but Fee can't. I think Fee's voice was still rather pretty to listen to. I mean, she still had the different phonetics of the, the language from the initial song. So you could actually hear her making all the different sounds and that, but uh, 
it, it just sounded slightly robotic, and uh, maybe I'm used to voc- uh, Vocaloid singing, so I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> well, what did you think of Fee, Patrick? Um, in general, I, I would have to agree with you, where she just wasn't... She was annoying when you didn't want her to... She talked to you when you didn't want to be talked to. Like, Better you're in the middle of a dungeon, in the middle of a boss fight, and she would tell me my batteries were low. Oh, that... Yeah, yeah my main complaint was if you want to get information from her and there's still reserved information that she wanted to tell you before, she will go through that first. So, yeah. a boss is kicking your butt. You want to be like, okay, how do I beat this thing? I don't care anymore. Just tell me how to... Where it's I don't need my is. combat stats. And then it's like, oh, Master, I was going to tell you before this uh, path you were going down had a... Uh, a breakable wall, or, or whatever. I was like, I don't need to know this right now. Tell me what I'm... This is so not important, I'm about to die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, Fee. But I did think she was better than Navi. Yes. Ultimately, my favorite uh, Zelda sidekick would be Midna. She's spunky and awesome. But, yeah. Um... Well, no, no, I would, I would take that back. I would say the King of Red Lions. <laughs> oh, he was cool. Right. Talking boat, come on. Well, I have to admit, the, the first reaction to seeing the King of Red Lions talk was quite priceless. Plus, he just had a quick design. Though, Fee, I thought was... Fee, I, lo- I love the idea that they're introducing in this game, is that at some point in time, the people living in Hyrule were, like, so insanely technologically advanced. Oh, yes, even the Bokoblins with their electric razors yeah. and... Yeah, like the whole, like, oh, we have invented time travel, and we just use it for, like, everyday shit, like mining. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, they don't save it for, like, the big important stuff. They figure, well, we got these rocks that, like, go through time, so why don't we take advantage of that? Exactly, yeah. Um, I like that uh, only one of those little robot things in the desert was actually aware that it was in a different time field. The others were like, oh, yeah, this is just everyday stuff. But, yeah. um, mining, mining, mining. Yeah, I'll, I'm getting on with my own business and that blah, blah, blah. And then the, there's that little pirate captain one. I can't remember his name. But uh, it's like, yeah, I realize that I'm only alive now because you're using the time stones. Thanks for that, by the way. You're like, oh, that was nice of you. Um, yeah, there was some... That, that robot, that whole robot sequence I thought was really, um, really cool. Like the whole, like, your boat has a time stone on it, so wherever, like... The 50 feet around you of desert is now water. That's cool. Yes, that was one of the most creative moments I'd ever witnessed in a Zelda game. Yeah, and then you get up and you're fighting that crazy robot, like the psycho robot pirate, and you have to walk him off the plank by, like, fencing him. I thought that part was really fun. I think his name was Skurvo or something, like Skurvy and Skurvobot. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, that, the pirate ship dungeon was my favorite, uh, maybe just because I love pirates, but, uh, the whole time distortion thing was really cleverly used. And, uh, well, and it's the most, uh, that section, I feels like the most would appeal to, like, the nerd crowd, because not only is it robots, and not only is it pirates, it's also time travel. Exactly. And ghosts. Yeah. Like, they just put all of it in one dungeon. And, uh, I also had my favorite music out of any of the dungeons in the game. So uh, look, really... look, it, look it up on YouTube, uh, especially the interior in the past. Of it. it's, a, it's a really good track. It's a quite, um, uh, I guess you could call it haunting, and how appropriate. There's always a ghost dungeon, and I like that it was a ghost ship. That's a cool idea. Yes. I'm Not just... something you usually see in a Zelda game. Usually everything's pretty much land-focused. There's no boats. 
Except in, obviously, in Wind Waker. <laughs> yeah, brain fart there. Um, I, uh, I'm disappointed slightly by the, uh, the lack of the re-deads, but, um, those, uh, weird zombie bokoblin things in the underworld did, uh. Those were cool. They pretty much did the same sort of thing. And uh, I thought it was amusing that they were scared of the, one of the shields because it was imbued with holy power or something. So yeah, it, once I got that shield, I hated the shield thing in this game. The first shield, like, broke almost immediately for me. And then I was like, well, I'm halfway through this dungeon, I'm not going back to get a new shield, I'll just deal without it. Oh, really? I I never had yeah. a shield break on me. Well, I didn't realize... I realized after that dungeon... Um, I, there's a lot of stuff in this game, it took me a while to figure out, I'm realizing now. <laughs> but I didn't realize that if you properly reflect stuff, the shield doesn't take damage. Yeah. I didn't figure that out, like, until... Until, like, I, after I beat the first dungeon and got a new shield. That's when I figured it out. And only because I think Neil had mentioned it on Twitter. I was like, man, this first shield sucks. And he was like, you just need to be good with walking. Yeah. I but think I almost skipped um, past the, the second shield. in the forest. I think they teach you that. Yeah. Just, like, reflect the shield right now as it, as it hits. And then, oh, oh, the shield didn't take damage. I see. Well, I did, yeah, I didn't figure that out right away. Uh, and then I got the second shield. But as soon as I got that third shield, I was like, oh, the shield repairs itself. This isn't really an issue anymore. And then there's the fourth shield. Is there another shield after that that I haven't gotten yet? Absolutely. Nice. <laughs> this um, does not take damage? I think it doesn't take damage whatsoever, and it's the coolest looking, and I think you've already guessed what it is as well. I'm sure it's like a Hylian, like, is it the mirror shield? It is the Hylian shield from Ocarina Hylian of Time. The... Nice. Though I really like, if you once you get the goddess shield, and you soup it up to, like, you know, level three... The design on that is really cool, because it's got the goddess's face on the top of it, and it's got, like, a Triforce, like, wing thing in the middle of it. Yeah. And it's all shiny purple. That's cool. Yes, it is. Uh, I was... Um, that, actually, I guess that's kind of the, the mirror shield of this game. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, strangely, they didn't actually incorporate that. Uh, it's been in a few of the other Zelda games, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. But at, at least there were the enemies that were scared of the shininess, so that was good. <laughs> We, oh, I think I would be remiss if I if we didn't we didn't talk about Levias, which I thought was a really great boss fight. That was the uh, was the, the wind windfish, the I sky guess. whale. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was the one that they clearly built after they played Shadow of the Colossus. That's what I thought of first. I was like, this thing is so giant, and now I'm riding on its back. I wonder where they got this idea from. It was. That actually took me a while um, to figure out to land on his back. Yeah, that and took it, me a while to figure out too, and then I like. I kept trying to, like, zoom in real quick and hit that eyeball, like, with the dash, and it just couldn't make it. And then I thought, see, that's another one of those moments where, like, if you think if you screwed it up three or four times, Fiona would be like, you should land on his back. Or Fiona, sorry. Fee. Fee. <laughs> Fiona where's, is my where's dog. Where's Trick? Fiona is my dog, who I often call Fifi, <laughs> so it's kind of confusing. Ah. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, but once you got on the back... I thought that was another, that was kind of, I guess, a Ganon, a Ganondorf-inspired fight where you have to launch the stuff back at him with the sword, but you have to get the angle of it right, which is cool. Yes. That's, uh... And if you're good enough, you can stay on that island, and if you're good enough with the bow, you can take out those tentacles that pop off of his sides, you can take them out with the bow and arrow, which I did for, um, I, I had to do the fight twice because I died in the middle of it the first time, but I managed to do that on both attempts. I managed to land on that island and hit at least one of those tentacles with a bow and arrow shot. That's awesome. A big work there. Because I was finding it so difficult to chase him down because I suck at gaining air. <laughs> that I would just be like, I would get it eventually. But uh, at first I was like, I'm going to try and take these out from the island with the bow and arrow, and it worked. 
the flying is going to be so different from you from now on. Just uh, oh, I know it's going to be great. I'm excited now. <laughs> um, I'm curious if you if you never knew how to fly the proper way before, how did you do that challenge where you had to get the ten targets? Yeah. Oh, that's easy because they um they they go in like a downward spiral. Okay. Oh, really? So if you hit them, like if you if you if you look at the way they're laid out, they're they're designed to be kind of be hidden, so you really never have to gain air. Because there's not really enough time to do it easily. Well, I guess there would be if I knew that trick. But yeah, if you can just if you can just kind of spiral down, and also there's like 13 or 14 targets that are available to hit, and you only need to hit 10 of them. That challenge just gave me a lot of trouble. It took me about four or five tries to actually get it done. I think I, I got it in the second. I got it in the first, but it was very close. I was uh, darting back and forth all over the place, going, "Oh my god, I need one more. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, there's one on the bottom of that meteorite thingy." Yeah, I, that's why I had no problem with it, because I recognized that there was some general pattern where if you hit them in this order, it's fairly easy. And then there's a couple, like two or, like, I think three or four that the birds are carrying that kind of fill in the gaps in case you miss one. You don't have to go back for it. You can hit one of the birds instead. Yes, yes. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, the, you mentioned the, the direction of the sword swinging before, and uh, I, I guess it... We can't really talk about Skyward Sword without mentioning the controls, which uh, I thought were an absolute dream. They they took... Uh, I mean, sword sl- slashing in Twilight Princess was fun. Um, using just the waggle on that, I got used to it fairly quickly, and just running along slashing glass, uh, grass as you run was, was quite fun. But in this particular game, having the sword follow your direction, and that's uh, almost one-to-one, I very rarely had issues with the controls. It was uh, just... Amazing! I was like, yes, this is this is probably what was envisioned back when they were making like Virtual Boy uh, and saying, oh yes, this is how the Zelda of the future is going to be, and uh, it's finally realized, and it, it just works so well. Yeah, it's really um, it's really good. There was that one puzzle in the first temple where you have to like spin the sword in a very tight circle to dizzy those little eyeball locks. Oh yes, yeah. that took me forever to figure out. Like forever. <laughs> I, I was like, it said it needs to look at the point of something. I'm pointing the sword right at it. I'm trying to stab it. I'm doing all these things, but I never realized that I was just supposed to distract it. I thought that was, I don't know. I just couldn't, didn't go through my head. Wasn't that in the original trailer? Yeah, I remembered seeing it no, in the trailer. I didn't watch That's a lot of the trailers. I tried to avoid a lot of that stuff. Ah. Uh, well, that made the puzzle harder for you, so that was, yeah, uh, I indeed. guess, mission accomplished there. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I screwed myself on that one. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the Motion Plus controls. I um I I have never played a Motion Plus game. I don't have a Motion Plus remote. I bought the special bundle with the gold remote because I didn't have a remote that was capable of playing this game. So I I this is my first exposure to them, and it's probably the best exposure. I assume. Uh, I no one no no other game could probably be doing it better than this. It's really great. Um, I love all the directional stuff you have to do. Like occasionally, like you'll have to you know, um, not so much like. Like, oh, I have to swing from the left or the right to hit this boss. That That's neat, but I really liked there are certain points in the game where it let you add a lot of flourish with your attacks and you felt like you were really in there, like when you're fighting um, the immortal thing. What's it called? The abomination? What's it called? The, thing uh, the imprisoned. Oh. The imprisoned, that's it. Yeah. When you're fighting him and you have to do those upward swings to, like, hit Spike back into his head, that was really cool. And then um, there's... There's uh, like right when you, every time you kill him, you have to like draw the seal in the air, and that that was that felt really fun. I mean, it's stupid, I guess. It's not really something that they needed to have you do, but it was neat, and it made you feel like you were really playing the character of Link. 
Uh, and then there are another couple times where whenever you knock someone down and you, you can do that jump thing and land the sword right in their chest. Oh, the finishing strike is Yeah, because awesome. you like, with the, with the nunchuck and the, and the remote and you're like, take it! You're dead! Absolutely, yeah. Um, I forgot what I was gonna say. There was something, uh, on that note there. Um, oh, it's gone. Oh well. Oh well. Well, I, I wanted to ask you, did you guys have trouble, uh, centering the remote? Oh, right. That was it. Thank you. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, during the aiming segments, um, whenever the, uh, I have a window behind my TV, so, uh, whenever there was something that involved the pointer, uh, which wasn't really used all that often in the game, most of it was based on just the angle and the movement and that, but, uh, Sometimes my aim would get thrown right off and it would snap to the left of the screen or whatever. Being able to center yeah. the pointer on the spot while you're in the middle of aiming was really nice. I'm glad they thought yeah. of it and I'm glad it was uh, implemented in the game. It was really good. It's one of the smartest parts of the game in that normally when I play Wii games, I sit on my couch and there's a coffee table right in front of me, but I do that thing where like I rest my arms on my legs and like the, I just, the way the remote is set up, if, if if it's shooting out its infrared beam from there, it's going to hit the coffee table, and the sensor's not going to pick it up. So I have to move the coffee table every time I want to play a Wii game. But with this one, I don't. Yeah, because that's... once you center it, every single time you bring up a menu, it says, all right, now your remote's at the center of the screen, and it does all of the cursor with the gyro inside of the remote. Exactly. Really, except for one or two screens, like the adventure pouch screen and the item pouch screen seem to also involve... The either I don't know if they were involving the infrared sensor or maybe they were just not coded right, because there was no way to recenter the remote on those, and sometimes I would open it up, and the remote would be, like, skewed way off to the side, and the only way to fix it is to open the other menu and recalibrate the remote from, remote from scratch, and that was kind of annoying. Yeah. Uh, but th- thankfully, that was only on a menu, and it wasn't, like, in something I needed to do in the heat of battle. Yeah, like I said, uh, I have that frequently in other Wii games as well. I need to pull my uh, blind down, because the sunlight from the window behind the TV throws off the, uh, the calibration yeah. very quickly. But um, fortunately, it's uh, it's not that much of an issue here. And uh, if it, uh, I think the worst trouble I had, like you said, was the item pouch. And you, oh, I want to select the one on the left, but it's uh, stuck on the right hand side of the screen, so I'd have to yeah, yeah, like, that's lean problem. right over and oh, there it goes. Yeah, um, I would just recalibrate the remote from the item menu at that point, or from like the pause screen or whatever you want to call it, the quest menu with the bugs. Oh, there's something I wanted to mention: bug hunting. That's fun. Um, only thing I don't like about bug and treasure hunting is after you turn the game off and you turn the game back on, it feels the need to explain every item that you're picking up again, even though you already know what a Lanayru ant is, and you've picked them up. really annoying. <laughs> and it was only with the bugs and the treasures it would do that. It was yeah, just like, not, not the that rupees, a, but... That's, that's a mistake. There's no way I should have made it into the released game. Why would I need to know the exact details of every tiny piece of treasure, especially something like Amber Relics, which by the end of the game I have like a hundred of? Yes, exactly. Um, the I remember Twilight Princess did it with the rupees. Every time you turned on a blue rupee, a red rupee, a yellow rupee, such and so forth, it would do it every single time. I'm glad they took it out there, but then they've done it again with the treasures. Yeah, it doesn't, there's no reason for it at all. I mean, you can even just look at them on the item screen or the, yeah, the, the like, treasure collection screen. I'm not stupid, okay? <laughs> it's, it felt like an, it felt like an insult, like to the player. Either it's either an insult to the player that they think you were so dumb that you would need that explained. Like, oh, I haven't played the game in a day. I totally forgot what all this stuff is. Of course, 
Like, no, I know what I'm doing. Either that or, so it makes them either look condescending or it makes them look like idiots because it shouldn't have been there and they forgot to fix it. Yeah. Um, my main complaint uh, with the, the whole game out of everything is the, the harp mini game where you have to accompany Kina singing at the Lumpy Pumpkin. Um, I don't, I don't think I got that far because I couldn't get past the mini game where you have to carry the pumpkins to the cellar. I tried it twice and I just couldn't do it. Oh, there is a, a neck to that, which I had to look up. I, I cheated on that one. Um, yeah, I cheated says... on probably more in this Zelda game than any other one, but <laughs> some of it was just because I wanted to finish it and I felt like it was tedious stuff that I could spend ten minutes figuring out or I could just Google it. Yeah, there was uh, the, the pumpkin one, the carrying one, was uh, quite annoying as well. Uh, the trick, she says, walk slowly to be able to carry the five pumpkins. The trick was to just flick the remote in little amounts, take, like, two little flicks to take two steps, then whichever direction the pumpkins were leaning, tap quickly in the opposite direction to center them again, and then you can take a, two, a few more steps. So just do, like, one step at a time, stop moving, wait for the pumpkins, and you can do it fairly quickly. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know why they didn't just say keep stopping and recentering the pumpkins instead of walk slowly, because even if you're what moving seemed... the smallest amount, it will still fall over. Yeah, yeah, I don't like... What seemed odd to me is that this is a balance game, and you're only using the joystick for it. Like, isn't the whole point of this game to exploit motion controls? Why am I not holding the remote up and yeah. balancing the pumpkins like that? It didn't. It seemed really weird that this was a joystick minigame and not a motion plus minigame. Yeah. Because it didn't make it... It, the entire rest of the game uses Motion Plus for everything, and then there's this one game that I, maybe they couldn't get it to work right, so they switched it to the joystick, but that doesn't make sense. Yeah, like the walking across the, the, the tightropes, yeah. Yeah, and that was, that was this is more of just like a little, like, this works, why doesn't this work kind of thing, where, like, you can walk across a tightrope, but you can't walk across a thin piece of solid metal rail. You have to take a minecart. That I didn't, like, I don't get it. The rope is loose and very hard to balance on. <laughs> this is a solid piece of metal. is a balance beam. If I can tightrope walk, I should be able to walk a balance beam. I... But then that's just like a little annoying kind of... Yeah. This doesn't make sense. Like, the logic of the world that you're giving me, the rules don't apply evenly across it in some places, and that kind of bugged me. I'll have to agree there. I mean, uh, I'll admit the first time the, the rail bridge for the minecart appeared, I did try to walk across it, and... Uh, Failed miserably, but um, one yeah, can... me too. Because I was like, oh, I can walk a tightrope. I'll just walk. Nope, nope, nope. die <laughs> immediately. Yeah, one could make the argument that it's uh, in a time distortion. It's not one hundred percent in sync with our time reality sure. thing. We'll go uh, I'm, I'm going old sci-fi nerd on that, so why not? A little too much Doctor Who sounds like. <laughs> and funny enough, uh, funnily enough, I'm not the Doctor Who fan here uh, at the on the staff. I hate it. Oh, well. <laughs> that is a very Doctor Who thing that you said, though. Um, another thing I wanted to mention about this game, uh, we probably shouldn't talk for that much longer because we're already 45 minutes in, but uh, the items in this game, the items that you get, are pretty... Like, some of them are obviously pretty tried and true, like a slingshot, bow and arrow, but there are some items that are, like, totally crazy that you've never seen before. Especially um, the beetle. Yes, that was fun. The beetle is really cool. Uh, I like that you get it right away like, in the first dungeon, because then you can use it throughout the game, and you do. You don't just kind of throw it away like you do in other Zelda games. Like, this is the Beetle Dungeon. This is the Bow and Arrow Dungeon. Like, it's not really... They, they mix it up a little more in this game, because they let you upgrade the items and 
that, that gives them a little more life after you've obtained them, which I thought was a good idea. And they actually incorporate them into puzzles later in the game. But the beetle, so there's one. I really like the beetle. Awesome. Uh, and I really like the gust bellows. I think it's crazy that Link has a uh, an ancient vacuum that is more technologically advanced than anything else. <laughs> just I, the whole idea of it is just funny to me. I like using it on people. Yes. I, yeah, I like using it on basically everything. Like, it's just a fun... A really fun item for no real reason. It's just, it's so stupid when you think about it compared to all the other items which are fairly serious, like claw shots, which are a really cool take on the, on the long shot and like a bow and arrow and that, like, and a vacuum. Yes, and then there's the dungeon room. I guess it's... more of a leaf blower, a leaf blower. Yeah, and then there's the dungeons where there's like an entire room full of sand and you have to like tunnel down into the sand using this, this blower yeah. thing. And you, you, you're overcome by this compulsion to clean every single speck of sand yep. in the entire room. It's like, I, I cannot rest until it's clean. Uh, I think I did that. I probably blew away every speck of dust in that entire sand dungeon. Yes, and you get to do it again later on. Yeah. I, I think it's in the, 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 oh, uh, oh, right, we're spoiling anyway. Uh, I think it's in the Triforce dungeon, uh, back on Skyloft. There's another, nice. there's another room where... See, it's they nice they mix it up. Well, I imagine the final dungeon would probably take a little bit from each of the items. Absolutely. If they're smart about it, or most of them. I'm excited to play that. Yes. Um, extra content. Um, there's a boss rush mode, which is available in both normal and hero mode. Which uh, And that's what, the, that's what the Thunder Dragon's talking about, right? Yes. He said, come back to me, and then he said, you can learn something from your old trials, and I thought, oh, this is probably boss rush. Uh, I never really got into the uh, the boss rush mode. I was just, I was playing it like a madman trying to beat it today um, to record. I played it for like hours today, and I did like all of the hero's quest, being very careful to do the Thunder Dragon last because I didn't want to accidentally board <laughs> my entire save file. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, that's an interesting thing that uh, I don't know if it deserves really talking about. We've kind of talked about it before, but like, that's like you've never seen a glitch like this in a Nintendo game, like something that could just totally screw the whole game. Yeah, it's fortunate that they've actually put a, a fix for that now, but... Um, it's clever the way they figured it out, because Wii games can't be patched. Like, they have this other, like, channel that you download to your Wii, and it's basically an app that fixes your save file. Yeah. I guess it just resets you back to that point, like, beforehand. <laughs> Who knows how many... Does it max... Like, it's going to be... It probably just replaces your fa- save file, so it means you've got someone else's save file? Maybe I, not. Maybe I'm not, not sure uh, how it works. I, I think it um, it uh, resets the two conditions that uh, where the certain people you talk to in the other two areas will trigger the uh, particular um, uh, mini quests. Maybe for the. Service. I liked the. Uh, those speaking of those quests, I liked the forest one where you had to chase the little tadpoles. Ah uh, yes, the uh, what, what were they? Tad notes. Uh, tad uh, Tad tones. Oh, tad tones. There you go. Uh, I thought that was fun. Uh, it was also nice because it was the shortest of the three. Yes. I actually um, didn't like that one. The Thunder Dragon one, um, I thought that was fun because it was like a brand new area that you got to explore. Like a little mini dungeon, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only one I didn't like, of course, was the Fire one where you are forced to play a stealth game. Uh, I didn't mind it. Uh, slowly getting that- your items back again and it was like, finally I can kill these bastards again. Yeah, I hated that. There, it's just You knew it was coming at some point, because it seems like they cannot make a Zelda game without putting a stealth segment in it for some reason. It's usually right at the beginning of the game before you get all your stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
Like it is an oak. Like in Oak Arena, it's not bad because you just have to sneak past three little sections of a garden and then you're done. Oh, and then, then there's another one later in the in the Gerudo oh, Desert where you get yes. captured. And I hate that one. Uh, I hate the stealth segment in Wind Waker. I hate it in almost every Zelda game. And true to form, I hated it in this one. Oh, well. but I guess I'm just I don't really consider that a major gripe because I guess it's they've done it to me so many times. I guess I'm just kind of used to the abuse. To each their own. I liked it the most in Wind Waker, the sneaking through the Forsaken fob, uh, Fortress and uh, hiding from the Moblins by jumping into a barrel. And that one wasn't. That was probably the least offensive one. I don't. I know there was one in Twilight Princess at some point, also sneaking around a castle. Uh, I don't remember liking it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember much about it, but uh, I've been meaning to replay yeah. the game anyway, so. Hmm. So, um, yeah, uh, fortunate that the um, the glitch was noticed uh, and people were actually putting out warnings not to do that in the right order, because I was... Yeah, uh, I I'm glad I did not rush through the game, because I might have done that. Yeah, I the... talked to every character incessantly in these games, because I want to get all this stuff. Exactly. So I totally would have done that. There's that Goron, uh, Gordo, I think, and he's like, oh, there's a, a secret quest here where you can get a better shield, and there's all this stuff that you can do, and, and all that. So I was eager to get back to the, the desert and do it again, so I was going to do that one first. And then uh, I got warned against it. I'm like, oh, thanks, spoilers, but at least that... So wait, where, there's a quest where you can get another shield? Uh, it's the uh, the boss rush. Oh, it, what what kind of shield do you get from it? Is that how you get the Hyrule shield? Yes. Oh, so I, uh, might not, I, so I won't have to do that to beat the game. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, if you want okay. the shield, I mean, after playing so long with all the other shields and then finally getting the one from the other games and wearing it on your back, it it does look really cool. And, of course, it doesn't take damage at all. But um, it's not necessary for finishing the game. Well, now that I'm not trying to rush through it to talk about it tonight, <laughs> I, may, I may go back into the boss rush mode. I did like... Overall, I liked most of the bosses, except... Um, well, I like Girahim. I like that he's really difficult. I just found it annoying fighting him. Mm. What were the other bosses? I didn't... I thought the one, the Indiana Jones one, where you're running away from the ball in the Fire Temple, uh, that one was late. I mean, it wasn't can, bad, yeah. but it was just... It was really simple. It was like, stay off to the side so it doesn't hit you, and now shoot him when his eyes open. Okay, you're done. Like, it was, it was the easiest of all the bosses, I think. Yeah, and it even does the whole inhaling the bomb things, like uh, the Dodongo King. Yeah. And... Yeah, it's like, yeah, I thought that one was probably the worst. Um because it was just too simple. Mm. What about uh, you guys? The boss rush, uh, going back to that, of course, um, I have to say it's much better than the one in, in Ocarina of Time. You get to actually choose which boss you face first, and then the rest are all randomized. You have so you the get same... the hardest one out of the way. Yes. Then you have the, the same amount of hearts throughout all of it. I mean, you can chop grass and smash pots and stuff during the others to refill but you don't get much of an opportunity to heal. Um, and you can drop out at any time. And the, the dragon's like, if you choose to fight the next boss, you will get this prize, but if you quit now, you will get this. So Oh, that's cool. It's really interesting. And he's like, he, he goes through uh, various amounts of rupees and then heart pieces and rare treasures and, and that's And he's like, oh, if you beat this one, you'll get a, a ridiculous... I think he calls it a, a ridiculously sturdy shield. And, then, nice. and it's the Hylian shield. That's yeah. Cool. I like the, the bamboo chopping one with that weird guy. Oh, yes. Uh, doesn't he give you treasures if you... Yeah, he gives you a goddess plume for the second time. Oh, really? That's pretty nice. Yeah. I, I never played it more than once, so... Yeah, the, one, you say, he says if you play it before you get like the Master Sword, he says, come back when you have a longer sword and you'll be able to do more damage. 
like once you get a longer sword, you can swing it faster and you can you can slice. There's it's just it's not possible to hit the maximum until you get the master sword. So once you get the master sword, you can set a new record and then you get a goddess blood. Nice. I think I should do that because um, I don't know what you get after that. I'm sure there's probably a third or fourth thing even. But the first time you get something pretty good, I don't remember what it was. But the second time, once you get once your sword gets longer, it doesn't necessarily need to be the master sword. But once you complete that first trial and the sword, the length of your sword extends, then you can go back and do it again and get a goddess plume. Yes, I liked that there was a um, a collection side quest like the sculptures and the the post spirits in Twilight Princess and that. Uh, in the form of that demon. Uh, I think his name's Batro. Oh, yeah. Batro, where you collect uh, gratitude crystals, which yeah. is probably the craziest <laughs> thing they've ever tried to hack me into a Zelda game. Especially when you look at it and you're like, oh, it's a star bit from Mario Galaxy. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it was like a really, like, not only is this ridiculous on its face, also you made it a star bit. Oh, uh, did you actually complete the quest? I uh, no, I need like five or six more, I think. I think there's eighty in the game. Oh wow. Well, I'm going for like fifty right now, so oh, I'm nowhere wow. near it. Wow. Um you can find a few uh ones lying around the towns at night. Uh, yeah. Just individual ones. But I can um, douse for them now, so that's pretty handy. Nice, nice. The the final prize is uh is ridiculous. Um you've been collecting all these things throughout the thing. Most of these gifts have been wallets. So you're like, okay, I, I can hold like 8,000 rupees now with the three uh, mini rupees that Beetle sold me uh, with the mini wallets. And, yeah. that. and uh, all right, that's all good and, and well done. And righto, what's this final prize going to be? Uh, obviously, it's going to be something epic. And then he gives you another wallet. Um, I think it holds 9,000 rupees. And then with <laughs> the, the additional ones that you get from Beetle, you can hold like 1,100 or something. It's uh, some... At uh, 10,100 oh my God. or something, or 9999, or... There's that one thing, I haven't opened it, because he told me not to open the chest and get the rupee medal, but I know it's in there, but I have not opened his oh, chest. Oh, that, that's an awesome medal. Because um, I thought maybe if I make it all the way to the end of his quest and I don't open the chest, maybe he'll give me something even better. But I guess he probably doesn't. No, it's, it's the same no matter what. You can pick it up at any time after he warns you. But, um... If you equip that medal, you can't use your shield at all. Right. However, you get rupees and uh, treasures from enemies, and it's pretty much guaranteed that almost everything that you kill will drop either a treasure or rupees or both. Nice. So you can That's save up handy stuff for really when you want to. Uh, yeah, when you want to get a million things. Right now, I know I need to go to the desert and like farm eight tumbleweeds because I need them to upgrade my bow and my bug net. Yes. I was pissed off with that until I figured out there was actually a trick to doing that. There's, uh, the tumbleweeds? Yeah, there's one patch in the oh. desert where you can do like a lap around the, the exterior, and at two points there was always a tumbleweed that will spawn behind Link and, and go towards you. Oh, cool. Um, check that out. Yeah. We should sure. probably, we've been going for almost an hour here. We should probably wrap up. Um, yeah. I guess clo- closing thoughts um, on the game. Uh, Patrick, we'll start with you. Um, in general, it's a really great game, and if you haven't bought it yet, you should really go out and get it. There's just those minor things, like you were mentioning earlier, fee, and, uh, I don't know, in general, I thought the padding in the game was, there was a little too much of it. Like, I wasn't a fan of the tad tones that you were talking about earlier. Or yeah, the, there's, uh, the f- there's a lot of fetch questing towards the end, or, yeah. like, when you have to save the Thunder Dragon, it's like, you've got this fruit. 
but you need to plant it. So you got to fly all the way over to the forest, and then you got to go back in time, and then you got to plant it, and you got to go back into the future. And then you gotta, I, don't, I looked that up, by the way. As soon as I knew I had to do um, something with this tree, I was like, I'm Googling this. I'm not going to deal with it. Like, I was trying quest. to beat the game today. I Googled a lot of stuff today. A little bit disappointed there. Um, oh, sorry. Um, uh, when Impa was talking about planting the tree in the past and that, I thought, this is going to be the, the spawning place of where they... Uh, the Deku tree. The Deku tree. Yeah. This is where it's yeah. going to come from. And then it wasn't, and I was sad. But, yeah, yeah I was really bummed out about that, too, because I totally thought it was going to be the Deku tree. I'm glad I'm not the only one, but that's my nerd. Seems like an way. obvious connection to me. Nice. Especially because this game ties into Ocarina and Wind Waker so much. Yeah. You just think, this is the first game in the series, so we're going to see the birth of a lot of this stuff, and you actually don't. <laughs> you see the birth of the Legend of Zelda, but you don't see the birth of like all the stuff in Ocarina, which you kind of thought you would. It's really yes. just about the Master Sword. Yeah. That and the uh, the origin of Link's green tunic and that, uh, I was... I really didn't know how they were going to get away with it, since uh, in Ocarina of Time it was like, oh, okay, that's the, the garb that the little Kokiri kids wear, so yeah. that's the, the green of the hero from now on. And I'm like, how are they going to get away with it? And they're like, oh, it's just a knight's uniform, this year just so happened to be green. And it, it works well, it's like a little in-joke there. Yeah, yeah, because then in Wind Waker, by the time you get way down in the timeline, they're like, this is the hero's clothes. We wear it for this special day to commemorate this special moment in our history. Like, and it's got a ton of significance that it's the color green. Yeah. But, That's um, clever. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, Patrick, sorry did I you did have anything interrupt else? you, Patrick. So. Yeah, did you have anything else to say? Oh, I was just going to say, I felt like the entire hero's quest where you visit the three dragons, I just thought that was a little bit too much in general. It was, there was not a, there was no dungeon in between the sixth dungeon and the final dungeon. Like it was just a solid it was a five or six quest, hours. Yeah. Of, like, well, like, I guess it was a lot of little mini things, like yeah. you know, do this stealth thing and then do this other thing, and then there was that kind of almost dungeon where you have to follow the minecart in the desert. Yeah. Or, but yeah. Nice. What about you? Uh, what about you, Andrew? What are your final thoughts? Um, uh, no Zelda game is perfect, but uh, this one comes pretty damn close. Uh, so, like I said earlier, it's among my top three Zelda games, uh, Wind Waker, and the other one uh, is probably Majora's Mask. Um, I enjoyed every aspect of it coming through. I mean, I know I have my own little complaints and, and gripes and stuff, but everyone does. There's uh, something that'll appeal to no matter which Zelda game that you've played. If you're a fan of Zelda, there's something from one of the other games that you've loved that's been incorporated really well, and uh, it's a must-have game. It's... Uh, I'd say it would be the the final defining Wii game. Yeah, uh, I would agree. It's uh, I think it's definitely one of the better Zelda games. Though I am a 3D Zelda fan, I'm not much of a 2D Zelda fan, so it doesn't leave me with many games to compare it against, at least mm-hmm. in the series. Uh, but I really, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's got a couple, you know, weird things that I almost feel like were almost maybe motion control growing pains that, like maybe we'll see them in this game, but we. This is the first Zelda game they've done with motion controls, so they probably learn a lot from it. And if the next game does indeed have motion controls like they seem to be implying it will, uh, they will probably get it much better. Even yeah. though this one is really close to being perfect. Absolutely. Most of, the problems, uh, most of the problems with this game are more game design related than they are control related. Um, just the fact that they still refuse to put voices in the game, so you have to read all these blocks of text and couple of other, like, the thing where it's always telling you, like, oh, you got this bug, and it explains the bug every single time you turn the game on, like, little things, like, kind of little growing pain things that they'll they'll kind of fix. 
Yeah, I don't mind the the text. I mean, I've always considered Zelda like a an interactive storybook type game where you're reading the book as opposed to or playing the book as opposed to watching a movie. So I'm I would be happy if they continue text, but I, I would like to see them incorporate language in like the background, like as you have. Uh, the text yeah. boxes, the, maybe they can speak in the Hylian language in the background, like how Zelda was talking in a bit uh, in her song, and they, a few people yeah. have made a few small phrases in Hylian. So, uh, yeah, it'd be or it'd be nice if... I mean, it just feels like when they're going to sit down and really tell you something, you just have to read and read and read, and I don't know, I feel like maybe if you did, if you had someone speaking... And it was, or maybe if you made it so I didn't have to constantly press the A button to like advance the text. Like if they just spoke and it was sub in Hylian or whatever, and it was just subtitled like a movie would be. Exactly. I think that would be a little bit better approach to it than having me just press the A button. And it's like I can read faster than this, so I'm holding the A button down to speed the text up, and then I'm pressing it again to advance the next page of text. And get rid of all of that. Just scroll the text at a decent rate and understand that people can read at whatever pace you make them read at. Yeah. That said, no English uh, voices. If they if they incorporated uh, if they incorporated that into the game, I would consider it. There's, I mean, they're so screwed at this point because they really needed to start doing it like five games ago. At this point, they'll be entering the game too late with the voices, and I feel like they feel trapped by that. Like they, if well, they started it five years ago, they would have had it. Like everyone kind of would have forgiven them if the voices were kind of wonky on like the N64 or even the GameCube. But mm-hmm. now, if the voices aren't good. You're going up against Uncharted. Like, people don't screw voice acting up in games anymore, and you cannot start now because you'll probably screw it up on your first attempt. Yeah. Um, that's why I don't want English voice acting. I don't want Japanese voice acting, even though uh, generally I prefer Japanese voices. It's, there's more emotion and such, but um, regardless... Link's, I mean, Link's sword swings already sound very Japanese. Yeah! Like, yeah. I don't have a problem with that. I don't mind him making noises in, in that mm. regard. I mean, if they if they at least incorporate a language that you can't understand, it's it's Hylian, That's fine. They as long as they talk in garbled, whatever it is, uh, as long as it sounds good and it seems to match the emotion of what they're saying, then I think people will be happy with that and they'll stop complaining about voices. Yeah, I think that would be a, a, f- a perfect solution to their problem. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've uh, we've probably talked everyone's ears off about Zelda. Um, so thanks a lot, Andrew and Patrick, uh, for for joining me for this. Thanks a lot. It was fun. Yeah, it was my first time. I really enjoyed it. Great. Peace. Right. Ciao. And there we have it. The uh, final episode of Connectivity for 2011. Thanks everyone for uh, listening and sticking around. As always, you can write us uh, listener mail at connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. If you get a chance, if you'd like to review and uh, rate us on iTunes, that would be awesome. So uh, enjoy this Doctor Who bonus segment following this, and uh, we'll see you in 2012.
well, hello and welcome to this uh, bonus segment on connectivity. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Doctor Who Christmas special that just aired. And uh, this is Scott Thompson, and right now I'm joined with by uh, Nicholas Bray. Hello. And James Dawson. Hi. And, uh, yeah, we're going to talk a little uh, little Doctor Who. So um, I guess the uh, the season finale of uh, Series 6, yes, was just, oh, I don't know what, maybe two months ago now? And it's already felt like it's been way too long. <laughs> it, feels, it feels longer than that. Um, is it only two Doesn't months? Doesn't it? I think so. Didn't it end in, what, October? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Hmm. It feels ages ago. I know, right? It was and... just yesterday for me. <laughs> did, did you just get all caught up? Yeah. Oh, wow. So did you watch this one out of order? You watched this before you saw the season six finale? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, well, I want to talk about that in a little bit, how this kind of impacts the end of that, that last episode of season six, so we'll get to that. But um, I guess to kind of break down what happened in the uh, the special, um, well, I don't know. I felt like not a lot happened, actually. I didn't really like it, actually. Yeah. I, yeah. I, J- James, I know on Twitter it sounded like you, you liked it a lot, and I, I thought it was pretty good. There were moments I liked a lot. The way I see it, even a Doctor Who episode that's not that great is all is still great for me. Yeah. Like um, I thought the Christmas Carol was probably the best Christmas special I've ever seen, as far as yeah, Doctor same. Who goes. Yeah, but. that was probably the uh, the best one. I mean, the only other one which we were just talking about, but the the first one with David Tennant, his first episode was just exciting because yeah. you know it was a whole new Doctor and it was kind of cool seeing how he was going to uh, to play the role. But in terms of like the content of the episode, I agree. I think the Christmas Carol one was better. But uh, as far as far as I guess the story uh, recap for this one, um, so that I, I enjoyed the beginning because it felt like kind of a spoof of a normal Doctor Who Christmas special. I guess you know, like this huge cataclysmic event going to destroy the world, and then the Doctor prevents it. I th- and I kind of I go ahead. Um, yeah, I just thought the the entire like opening scenes was just kind of redundant and pointless really i never really was connected to what was going on later on like it just seemed to introduce the mother character and that was all it did well yeah i think that was it and see that's why i kind of thought it was funny because i I think most of these christmas specials that's exactly what happens you know there's a big ship in orbit or it's coming to earth and you know something something bad's going to happen and then the doctor prevents it and i like that that was the first Five minutes was just this huge explosion. I, I like the ship coming out. All its guns are armed. You know, they all they all kind of come out, and then all of a sudden the ship's just exploding, and he and he's evacuating. I, I just thought it was kind of funny. Well, um, did not did any of you see the prequel? The prequel, yeah, to the uh, Christmas Carol. I mean, no, Christmas actually, Carol, but, uh, actually, actually, no, I didn't. But yeah, I, they had it on um, what on um, BBC's website probably. Right? Yeah, it's um, I, I it had me wondering what exactly those story was going to be about because it, it's on the ship and he's asking for uh amy's help but she's gone essentially oh, okay and he's hmm. uh what it what he is he's has his uh finger on a button and if he pushes that button or let go let goes of it the ship will explode so oh, he okay. needs some help apparently so i guess he just let go of it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was odd that um it didn't really show that at the beginning yeah which which really didn't bother me. It sounds like like Nick, like you kind of didn't see much reason for it. I just thought it was funny. I really thought it was them just kind of playing on the normal Doctor Who theme. Yeah, I but, didn't mind the actual yeah. like content of it. It's just like afterwards, I was like, uh, it didn't yeah. really need to be there. They could have just started it when they were arriving at the um wherever they went later on. 
Right. I, I guess it was the kind of to show why the doctor decided to help them, which it also gave gave way to some really awful special effects. Like I don't I don't expect much from Doctor Who, but that scene of him like plummeting through space trying to grab the uh the suit was was probably some of the worst I've seen in a long time. Yeah, that was yeah. that was surprisingly bad because I thought up like you know the last four seasons or so has been pretty solid effects wise. Oh and yeah. You just saw that last like the other night and I was like, oh well that looks kind of bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been really impressed with the uh Moffat series so far as far as special effects goes. But that was really bad. Yeah, I mean it was really, really bad. Yeah. I mean luckily it was kinda of made up for the rest of the episode. Yeah. Um I thought the other special effects were fine, which maybe this was just kind of rushed, I don't know. But yeah, that that plummet to Earth was was especially bad. He um, should have, he should have died in space though. Like, come on, he's not invincible. Yeah, I know, and he, he I, yeah, it was kind of silly. And he's even like making noises. Like, I mean, he's like, you know, like <laughs> kind of trying to cheer himself on and like grunting and stuff. And it's you know, he's in space, but I don't know. I guess you gotta just kind of gotta disbelieve a little bit. Mm. But um, yeah. So then he he lands on Earth in some sort of suit that I guess is repairing his body. Um, he's got the helmet on backwards, so of course <laughs> the the woman who finds him can't uh, identify him, um, and she's just sort of happy go lucky and decides to take this doctor to this uh, or this guy, this astronaut really, to uh, to a blue phone box, <laughs> and that's uh, she asks no questions, just okay, I'll take you, um, which was fine. It was silly, and <laughs> but I you know it's Doctor Who, I guess I kind of expect that. Um, but I did find that their conversation kind of funny in, in the whole, the suit and that whole ordeal. And I, I like that she took him to the wrong police box first and then had to take him to the right one. It was a real police box. I thought that was kind of humorous. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and then things get moving. It turns out, you know, her husband dies in World War II and she hasn't told the kids yet. And then it, it's three years later after that initial meeting and he's the caretaker now at this, uh, I guess just huge giant house. I think a family member owned it or something, if I kind of remember correctly, and he's going to take care of them because uh, he owes her after she uh, helped him to his box. And uh, what did you guys think about that scene where uh, they first walk in the house? I, th- I thought it was pretty funny. You know, the doctor, uh, Matt Smith, I guess I should say, kind of just doing his thing and being kind of rambly and silly and all that. Well, I, I know I was watching with my dad who really doesn't like Doctor Who. And um, the first thing he mentioned as the doctor's going through the rooms and showing all the different things is that this reminds him of uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I was actually oh, thinking yeah. the same thing at that point, yeah. I was like, oh, he's, yeah, it's a bit Willy Wonka-ish. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Um, it, it seems like he had a lot of fun with that scene. He really got to kind of flex his uh, comedic muscle there mm. and sort of his zaniness. But, um, yeah, and then I thought one really other good scene in there was when the doctor's talking to the mom later, and, you know, he's giving, they're kind of going through this speech about how uh, it's hard for her to be happy for the kids now because she knows they're going to have to be sad later. And, you know, the doctor gets that, and I thought that was kind of one of my favorite moments in the episode because it was kind of powerful, and it, it totally spoke, you know, about the doctor and his character and how, you know, he meets all these people and he does all these things, but he kind of knows everyone's outcome, you know, from the start. You know, yeah. he, he knows that yeah. it's going to kind of end in sadness for everyone, whether or not that's just them eventually dying or, you know, something more than that. But I thought that was really good. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I like that scene as well. Yeah, I, I thought it was it was really good. 
And then, uh, and then I guess the, the second half of the episode is just sort of a, a march through the woods. <laughs> and this, this is the part that I guess was a little disappointing. Um, yeah, nothing really happened <laughs> in the woods. Right. I guess. Yeah. They just kind of get to this tower at the end and then, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, I kind of like was waiting for something to happen, but yeah, it was just, First, they're all going through the woods, you know, on their separate ways, and then they get to the tower, and then that's it. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's just a lot of talking. You know, it, after that, there really wasn't much suspense. I mean, you know, they're not going to get liquidated on the planet. You know, they're going to get out. Um, so I don't know, but I, you know, I didn't mind it. I mean, it was, it was fun. You know, and I thought here the special effects were much better. I liked the uh, the tree people. Yeah, yeah, the tree people look cool, but the, I don't know. Maybe they should have spoke themselves or something just to make them a bit more um, I don't know lifelike or something more right. of a character <laughs> yeah that's yeah. true instead of just a cool prop <laughs> yeah but uh yeah and then I guess in the end the on this planet the all the trees want to leave before they're you know burnt down and turned into fuel so they all come into the mother's body and she guides them all through the uh the time vortex there and uh out to safe space where they can just live as stars. <laughs> and that's, that's pretty much it. Oh, and then I guess in, in the, in the meantime, while she's traveling through the time vortex, she unknowingly saves her husband from death. <laughs> so we yeah. get the, uh, the, hap- the happy ending there. I saw that coming. I kind of yeah, wish that sure. they didn't do that though. I wish they yeah. kind of stayed dead. <laughs> yeah. Or at least the thing where it's like she sees him one more time before he dies. Yeah. Like, like that. They get like, they get like closure or whatever, but, um, yeah. Coming back to life is a bit, eh, I guess it's happy and stuff, but. Yeah. But you're you're right. You could see it easily coming from a million miles away. I mean, it was it was not surprising in the least. One of the cool um, things. One of the cool things, though, on the um the planet, the do you know the miners, like the actual people that are gonna burn down the forest or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they're from Andrazani, which is like an old episode, like people from an old episode, one of the old Doctor Who's. Oh, really? It was um. There's a Peter Davison. Uh, story called the Caves of Androzani, and I guess those people are meant to be from the same planet. Oh, okay, huh. that's pretty awesome. So it's like a little nod to an old episode. Now the three people who were on the planet, um, and then eventually left. You know, they're in that big vehicle. Were they were they part of the miners then, and they were just kind of like the last people on the planet before it was harvested? Is that what that yeah. was supposed to be? Yeah, I didn't really know. Who... Yeah. Okay, I didn't. I didn't know their role. I didn't know if they were just happened to be there or. If they were part of the mining company or or, or whatever, um, but okay, I guess that makes some amount of sense. Um, but then in the end here, this is I guess a scene I didn't expect um, was the doctor going to see Amy and Rory. Yeah, that was um, cool. It was minor uh, spoilers on my part. Exactly, and that's that's kind of what I talk about because yeah. <laughs> yeah, at that point you wouldn't have known that they thought he was dead and and all everything like that. Yeah. Um. But as I don't know, I, see this this scene has me kind of torn. I like it because I, I love the emotional moments of Doctor Who. You know, I, those yeah. are the best parts of the show, and I thought it was really well done. But I, I feel like it kind of undermines the ending of the season because I thought he, his whole thing was he was going to kind of go undercover and he was going to you know not I don't know just kind of disappear for a while. And I guess he, he said yeah. it was two years, but still, you know, I, I yeah. didn't expect him to already be like, yeah, I'm alive and here I'm hanging out with you guys again. Well, I suppose they had to do something because they were probably going to be coming back next season. Right. So, like, if it wasn't done now, it would have been done at the start of the next, the first episode. 
Sure. Yeah. I, I know I read somewhere that the next season will be uh, both Karen Gillan and Arthur... What's Roy. his last name? Uh, well, Roy. As <laughs> last uh, last season. So. Yeah, I heard that yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I heard that maybe they aren't even going to be in the entire seasons. That, yeah. You know, they yeah. might just make kind of cameos and kind of pop up. So it kind of, yeah, surprised me. I thought maybe it would just be the kind of thing that, uh, like, I think David Tennant, he had done it a few times where he kind of just kind of stop in and observe people but not really interact with them. I thought it might end up being something like that. But, yeah, I didn't expect him to just full out <laughs> interact with them and, and eat Christmas dinner with them. Um, yeah. Like I said, I like the scene, but I feel like it just takes away from season six a little bit, the uh, the ending there. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was it was good. I, I just wish a little more had happened. But the emotional scenes I, I enjoyed. Um, but it's I just, do. I, it's just like a very average story, really. It's just, yeah, it wasn't very special. Like the Christmas specials should be a bit more, you know, special somehow. Uh, this seemed just like it could have been an average episode, really. Yeah, yeah. It, it was especially a letdown because I just watched um, the Christmas Carol probably a week before. Yeah, so. and, and that one's really good. Yeah, that that yeah. probably is the best one. I, I, I would say that's yeah. I, I would say the Christmas Carol could probably stand alone as a Christmas movie. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because I'm trying to think of the other Christmas specials. Um, there's the one on the Titanic. Yeah. Which there's I thought... the Spider one um, with Donna's first episode. Uh, what's it yeah. called? The Runaway Bride or something? Yeah, I think, I think so, you're yeah. right. You know, I, the, the only reason that I like that one quite a bit is just because how it ties into the end of season two, that moment where, where Rose, you know, he, he has to say goodbye to Rose. He doesn't even get to finish what he's trying to say, and, and he's crying nonetheless. And then she just appears, and she's just there. And that, that moment where he just keeps yelling, like, what? You know, like, he just doesn't understand. I, I loved that. And I instantly, after finishing season two, watching on Netflix, I was just like, all right, well, got to start the uh, the next one. Got to roll right into it. Um <laughs> But yeah, I, I guess it, I don't know that it ties very well into Christmas, but I think it's a pretty I good episode. I guess it's worth mes- yeah. mentioning. It's basically like a t- slight take on the line, "The Witch in the Wardrobe." Yes, yeah. yeah, the most recent one. Yeah, yeah. In some, yeah, I guess going through a door and ending up. It wasn't yeah, very substantial, but I guess that's what they're going for. Right. But uh, yeah, so I mean, it was it was decent. <laughs> I, I would just say that it, it was decent. It wasn't a must see by any means, um, yeah. but I, I don't think I left disappointed. I'm, if anything, I just now can't wait till the next season starts, which could very well be about a year. Or so yeah, I think they said autumn 2012. Well, that's not too bad. It usually starts off again around April or May, I think. Yeah, I just I I had heard that they were going to wait a little bit longer to get it to kind of overlap into the 2013 for the. Fiftieth oh, oh, okay, anniversary yeah. and all that. Uh, um, so. You know, Matt Smith wants to be in the fiftieth anniversary for sure. I just want him and David Tennant running around. Yeah, I think they could have a lot of good interactions because I, I feel like Matt Smith would find the David Tennant Doctor to just be kind of out there, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and very <laughs> human, human obsessed and very gung ho. And I don't know, yeah. it'd be funny to see them, see them both doing it. But yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I guess that about does it. I mean, do you guys have any closing thoughts on the uh, the Christmas special there? I mean, I think we've kind of set our, our opinion of it. No, I think I'm good. Yeah, me too. 
All right, sounds good. Well, yeah, um, I guess next time there's anything Doctor Who related, uh, we'll be back <laughs> to do another bonus <laughs> segment. Um, but it might be quite some time. So, yeah. yeah well, thanks guys for joining me, and uh, thanks, thanks for listening. Yeah. And thank um, you. Yeah, and we'll we'll see you guys later. Bye. All right, see ya. 